of small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. And I'm Kyle Dotson. Joining us uh, tonight, Kyle, in the uh, guest host slash guest slash chair. He hasn't been here since we recorded Van Halen episode in season one, so it's been way too long. I've been trying to figure out a perfect episode for this gentleman. I think we found it, but uh, say hello to Mike Schmidt. I am a gentleman. You are. The ladies say you are a gentleman. You ladies hold. love cool Mike. <laughs> that can't be denied. Are we doing no. that? Are we doing a rap show? Let's mm-hmm. do a rap we show. Are. We All are. All right, good. I like it. <laughs> I might want to revisit that Van Halen episode, too. And what I mean is record another Van Halen episode with Kyle and you and me and replace that other one with the new one. Because oh, okay. I don't think we... Not tonight, but I don't think we... Um, <laughs> well, we'd have time tonight if Kyle wasn't for There was someone late. in the room when we recorded that that I don't think was that into uh, the Van Halen as you and I could go off on so was that the ghost of ben da- franklin was it david lee roth <laughs> no 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 he, he's not that into van halen either no it was a he who shall not be named but uh, but mike you're here tonight uh mike is the host of the 40 year old boy podcast yes uh very popular how many how many seasons we're in our eighth year but eighth we have, year. it's kind of me i'm the one talking so i mean i guess i'm in my eighth you're in your year. eighth year but we because lily is the producer and mm-hmm. dave does all my art and music right. and stuff so. you have a team you have a you have a team well, behind you. monster yeah, I have um, I have Kyle, and then I have rota- I have a ton. I have a big monster. I got four rotating co-hosts. I have Kyle and David Wilde sits in frequently, and then I got six guys that uh, do my weekly artwork. So yeah, it's nuts. It's a machine. You're a cottage industry. I know these guys are very nice at uh, giving their time. And we got Andrew Rich who writes the show notes every week. It's Good crazy. You're, you're the Tony Stark of podcasting. It's unbelievable. You have so many people under your umbrella. My uh, those uh, those two dollar donations. Uh, disperse it. Everyone gets three cents. <laughs> I don't give anybody a fucking thing. Is there a language? Is there a language deal? I forget. Uh, no. You can, you know, no. You can say you can okay. you can swear. I apologize. Um, I probably should have checked that before we sat down. Well, I was busy eating four pounds of Doritos. We're done. Um, <laughs> Shut it down. But uh, so, Mike, welcome back. Uh, you and I, uh, Kyle was late tonight. We are getting started late. It's about 10 after 10. We were yeah. supposed to start at 8. What yeah, happened, Kyle? I was out buying a car, and it took forever. So, Were happened. you shaving that stripe into your beard, or were you I, buying I a was car? <laughs> a little of both. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. That's how I test drive a car, shaving it. <laughs> that's, that's, if only, that's the only way to know if the car is for you, really. Rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> um, and you got, what, what did you buy? I bought a uh, 2016 Toyota Corolla LE. Oh, you, I'll be part of Oh, you went with the, with the 016? Yep. <laughs> 016? I don't know. That's like a Jimmy secret agent number. Um, yeah, I like, I like an, a Toyota. It's, an, yeah. it's, a, it's a good car. What, uh, what amenities are in there? You got uh, uh, 8-track? I got yeah. I have a backup camera. Okay. Some Bluetooth going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. That's about it. So your phone now you can be hands free. Yeah, like I would just put it on speaker before, but now I'm officially. Now you're official. How's the stereo? It's good. I just listened to the radio because I was kind of rushing to get over here. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I'm it, gonna... It's weird when you get a new car because like you don't know where the lights are. You don't know how anything works. Yeah, I was like got out of my car and something was dinging, and I'm like, what the hell? Is you get ash? Is there ashtray in there? Not okay. Could that ding have been an alarm clock to remind you you were four hours late? 
Yes. Yeah, Mike and I, we could have re- we could have recorded that Van Halen podcast <laughs> before you <laughs> got here. We probably could have. Basically, we just talked about Van Halen before you got here anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, okay, well, Mike, tonight, uh, if I know one thing about you, uh, I, I know nothing. No. What? I know that you... Um, I know that you you're you're when when you love something you're a fanatic about it. You love Van Halen. Yes, that can't Unequiv- be unequivocal. Unequivocally, right? You you all you love you love Guns N' Roses. Love them. Huge fan. Um, and you love Quentin Tarantino. Cannot stop loving him. <laughs> because he cannot stand him. No, <laughs> that's what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> and you and you love these guys no matter no matter what they're doing, no matter what the quality of the work is. You're you're on board the whole way. Well, I mean, I think the quality of the work is good. That's the difference between you and I. Like, yeah. I mean, I I think all of it is good. I'm on board right. with it because. Uh, you know, Tarantino, no matter what, he's interesting. I'm talking about the quality of work of Guns N' Roses. Uh, well, I, I went and saw them live, and I had a great time. I, I thought they were fine. And I, I didn't, you know, again, I saw Van Halen last summer, and you yeah. tore them apart. And I, mm-hmm. I swear up and down to you, it was a fantastic I show. I know you did. Uh, it was two separate shows. Dave was doing his own show, <laughs> and the band was doing their show. But, but admittedly, you're just there to watch Eddie, so... Of That's course, cool. but but also Eddie was locked in with with his son and his yeah, his yeah. cousin. You know his cousin, his cousin, his cousin. I was Alex is his cousin. But he demoted Alex to his cousin. Cousin. But like you love Cheap Trick, and and so I if do. if something happened and you saw them and and, and someone was like they suck and you you defend them to your dying. I breath. did. Say, I've seen them bad, be bad one time. Well, I've live. seen Van Halen be bad. Yeah. You know, and I've seen I've seen things be bad. Guns and Roses. Right. I saw them be bad. But there's yeah. you you forgive because they've given yeah. you so much. In my opinion, yeah, that's true. I you, agree. You don't know because no, you don't because you burn everything the fuck down. Like you're no, that no, guy. no. I don't burn everything down. But I, I, I well, look, I look. I love Tarantino. I own what's on my shelf? Blu-ray too. There's Blu-ray people. You go Blu-ray. I got uh, I got Reservoir Dogs. I got Pulp Fiction. I got Kill Bill one and two. Uh, I don't own Django because I, I I've seen it twice. I don't think I would watch it again, but I love it. Okay. Uh, um. So yeah. So yeah. Whenever I remember, uh, don't when, don't try to dismiss it. I want to hear more about this shelf. Oh, this is a terrific shelf. It's got uh, <laughs> it's got cheap no, trick, and then it's got five Tarantino movies. Oh, nice. Where did it come from? Oh, yeah, IKEA. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, tonight I figure I I came up with this. I'm like, this is great. I, I love Tarantino. Is one of those guys that really uses music great in movies. Yes. Um. I also find that Wes Anderson does too. He picks really interesting songs to use in his movies. Uh, but we're not talking about Wes Anderson. We're going to talk uh, Tarantino tunes is what I'm calling this. Right. And it's, TT. It's, it's such a big deal to me when a filmmaker cares enough to do that. Yeah. Because there are so many, how many lazy trailers have you seen yep. where bad of the bone shows up? Uh, like I'm going to murder everybody in the uh, world or, or, uh, or, um, a gimme shelter again. Jesus yeah. Christ. Every, uh, or every Scorsese, every movie. Scorsese film. He must, he must own that. Song. Did he co-write it? Yeah, but it's never bad when he does it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, never I know bad I when still, Scorsese I still, does it. If somebody else does it, it's a different yeah, story. Right. But yeah, b- bad to the bone is yeah. just, please. Yeah, it's just, you're going to see a dog who eats a sandwich and his owner see, gives oh, him a cross look. Here comes a tough guy. Yeah, it's awful. So, so bad. bad. Yeah, God is. bless George Thurgood. So that's what I'm saying. No, 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 not at all. God damn George Thurgood. Well, I mean, no blessing for, going on. Send that I mean, man straight to hell. I got lucky enough that everyone's using that. wonder if, maybe he didn't even write that song. Could that be possible? No, he had to write that. You think he recorded he, like, it? he lifted from some like blues guy? Or maybe just like, a, oh, the, the, hey, the drummer and the guitarist wrote that. He's sorting through the bones of dead black guys and just oh, stealing their what riffs. what if he didn't write that song? I'm looking this up. He had to. Kyle's looking it up. He's got his rock solid right, Wait a minute. Are you on? telling me that a guy who would write something as, as classic as one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer, beer. could not replicate 
That feat? Uh, Those are three separate songs? I think they are. Oh. It's a trilogy. Then I loved when he wrote I Drink Alone, which is basically bad. <laughs> it, is, it is written by uh, George, George Thorogood. See, that Solo. guy, he's dining out yep. on that well, song forever. Yep, like, he's, forever. He's thoroughly good. <laughs> that's, and that's what he says. When they go, you want a tour? And he goes, nope, man, I'm thoroughly good because I wrote that fucking song and I'm getting royalties forever. Forever. Yeah, the bass player's like, we should go out. I have nope. a mortgage. Nope, nope, I'm good. Can't help it. Go to a session. Go play a fucking there's a Caesar Salad there's a, commercial. <laughs> there, there's, there's some third-rate animated movie coming out this week about tough squirrels. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And We're my gonna, song. My song's in it. I'm gonna make forty grand. Front and center. <laughs> Here comes the squirrel voiced by Matt Dillon. Oh, he's a badass. <laughs> so awful. But that's right. so that's you call I mean. that tough nut. Right? Tough nut, yeah, that'd be a good that'd be that's oh, sure, the name yeah. of the movie. <laughs> or out of his tree. Oh <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, to me, so that's why when a filmmaker cares, like a Wes yeah. Anderson or a, or a Tarantino or, or anyone who cares to use their music the proper way and has a mm-hmm. almost encyclopedic knowledge yeah. and brings in a Karen Rickman or somebody like that who's yep. willing to do the research, uh, that's, again, ever endlessly fascinating to me, somebody who cares about their yeah. art. And then Tarantino's got so much clout that he can actually say... Uh, you know, hey, uh, I wrote that when I wrote this scene, I thought of this song. So we need to have that song and he'll get that song. Yes. He won't just, you know, other people. And he, he works with um, the Weintraub. Right. No, that's not Weinstein. Weinstein. They just go, ah, eh, whatever. He works with some Jews. <laughs> yeah. And they let him do, they, they, they let him have full reign. So I'm sure he goes, hey, we need the song. They go, we'll get it for you. Get it oh, of course. You. We'll kill they someone. brush the money off their desk and find their <laughs> phone and call someone. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. But yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so and, we're going to go ahead. No, I'm just saying. So he, yeah, he calls a shot and he can write or because we, you know, music, as you know, you're on a music podcast. It's a huge part hate of music. Life. <laughs> hate it. Uh, well, actually, so when they see your album collection, some people will be like, yeah, I guess he does hate How music. How dare you? Albums, by the way. CDs. Um, I'm an old person. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I think that uh, the fact that he's able to be true to that, yeah. and he loves music so I much. I agree with you. you love music. It's, it's, it's so great. Why not? I'm right, Why on, not? I'm right on with you. Um, as we go through, we're going to start, we're going to, of course, we're going to go through all the movies and we're uh, going to play our favorite songs from those movies and we're going to do it chronologically. We're doing the eight movies because Hateful Eight is called, it says the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. And, uh, I think Kill Bill, um, one, it said the fourth on my DVD on my Blu-ray, it says the fourth film by Quentin Tarantino. It is the fourth one. So, um, so we're not, it won't be Grindhouse. No. Any of that stuff. It won't be, um, no four rooms. No, it won't be no, Four Rooms. It won't be second. True Romance. No. Anything that he wrote and directed. Yes. How about Still Dawn? He's in that. Is that him? But that one doesn't oh, okay. count. That's a Robert Rodriguez film. It won't be Natural Born Killers. <laughs> it won't be those. It's it's ones he's written and, and directed, directed by himself. Yeah. Yes. And we'll go through these. And maybe we'll, we'll uh, rank them for each other Like as we go through. Like, oh, where do you put that one? Maybe that'll be fun. Okay. An extra added. Do you have like a favorite atop? Yes. And you have a bottom? Uh, and when I say the bottom, it's just... Well, I mean, I, well, you know, like if I said, if I, if someone said, uh, you know, the, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like sure. the least, it's like, it doesn't mean you don't like it. It just means like, absolutely. At, at the yeah. ones, it's at the bottom. Well, I, I have a clear favorite and there's a reason I'll explain yeah. why. Um, but then everything else is, uh, you know, you can rank it according to whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but as I revisited for this show, mm-hmm. you wind up in your head, maybe jumbling your rankings or thinking yeah. things a little differently and going, Oh man, it's been a long time since I visited that or since mm-hmm. I saw that. And uh, and so yeah, things things may have come out of yeah. the shuffle there. Now but. I didn't watch all I didn't watch all the Tarantino movies prior to this. So that's like, actually why I was late. Oh, you were watching all the Tarantino, <laughs> oh, or were you just watching one? I was just watching one. <laughs> so you got the TV in the new car? Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic. not bad. Well, I got the I, well, I put the DVD player outside on the backup camera, and then I can watch it. Oh, oh nice. That's good. That's a good idea. Yeah. So it's yeah, like you're backing you up right into a Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> um. 
what was I saying before that? Something about something about oh, I did not watch all the movies prior to this. So right. so when I play a song um, that I like from the movie, I'm not always going to be. Or I might not ever be able to tell you this is the scene when, but maybe Mike will be able to. I bet Mike <laughs> I, will be I able to. Can probably. So um, normally I let the guest start, but I'm going to start because. The f- well, let me before we do this, let's set some uh, not ground rules, but I. Uh, Are we, it's, it's not a boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> it's Marcus of Queens, very popular. No hitting below the belt. <laughs> well, Creed is on the desk. Um, Did you see Creed? I have not. It is really. Actually, well, dude, I, saw, I saw the band. <laughs> dude, and that's truthful. I've worked security that movie, for that movie. That movie is really good. Yeah, I, I've heard. I heard it great is things. really, really good. Now, how did you how did you keep people away? Did you do that with arms wide open? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> believe me, they were they were. Uh, and he stood there in the Christ pose the entire fucking show. I actually worked the Troubadour when they were there, before they were getting giant big. Like I, when I was that was when I was sponsoring like Incubus and bands like that were coming through the mm-hmm. Troubadour. Um, I didn't mean to step on your joke with seriousness. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm talking about my Creed fucking experience. <laughs> By the way, we have a bag of Doritos, and we're trying to chew away from Mike. So if you hear something crunchy <laughs> and, and, de- and, delici- and delicious, oh my God, we're trying yes. to chew away from Mike's, Mike Schmidt. Right. I say we do this. Now, okay. uh, and I'm going to throw this out to you, folks. If anyone right. you can guess the what flavor Doritos we're eating gets this Creed DVD that I'm staring at right I, now. I, that's, You're that's giving a, that away. No, I can't. That's I can't contest, even tell folks. you where I got that screener. Go ahead and write That's, right a, that's a Hollywood screener. I can't even say where I got that. Well, then. Get in trouble. Get them in trouble. Someone's going to listen and be like, can you edit that part out? (laughs) Will you mention a screener? Uh, So you wanted to set some ground rules. Well, here's the thing. As I thought about this, Mm -hmm. because we're different. I mean, my show, I kind of, because it's my show, of course, I can just do whatever the fuck I want and talk a lot. And so when I come on here, Is the ground rule, can this show be more like my show to (laughs) me? Maybe. (laughs) That's the deal. It's like... Because I, I want to talk about this in depth a little bit, and I also I I couldn't pick just two songs. I mean, I, I and that's the thing is I picked two songs. From, you picked from two, movies. and I picked two. That's four per movie. That's Understood. a good chunk, Mike. Well, well when we get into it, and though, we might but, have a crossover. We might have crossover. But that's that's my point. If you have a crossover, then I, I I'm willing to pull out and pick a different song. Yeah, from that's the same fine. Film. That's fine. If you <laughs> and I like, if I play one and you say, oh, I, that was on my list too. Right. So. Can I pick a, a, yeah, we'll try to play four well, just, different songs. Because I'd like to, I, I'd kind of like to talk a little bit about it is all. We'll talk I mean, a little bit about it. Yes, I know. I don't know what to think. But look, we can't, we can't, we can't be an hour and 10 minutes in and only be on Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that we can't do. You, you sure about that? I mean, we could do, to put that we to the could test. do it, but we, we're not going to do all that. All right, uh, welcome to part eight of our Tarantino <laughs> tunes. We're part finally getting... Yeah, we decided to take uh, to do two hours um, per film. Yeah. We're actually watching the film. movie's out already, and... <laughs> we could watch... Yeah, we're not watching the films and doing commentary for them. <laughs> you know what? Let me tell you this. There's a podcast. There's I always think... I always thought this would be an amazing contest uh, to promote your DVD. If you win the contest... You and a buddy get to record your own commentary that will appear on the DVD. I, oh, I, nice! Yeah, wouldn't that be neat? I do love that. I saw yeah. I saw a thing online that said every they should when they re-release every Muppets movie there should be a commentary track with Statler and Waldorf, <laughs> just those two. Like that would be oh, the funniest fun thing. Yeah, those nice. guys are look. Those guys are haters. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, they're not fans. I don't know if that's a good idea, Cal. They're not fans of that yeah. show. It seems like they'd be uh, against it. Quite frankly, I wonder if See, there'd be they're, enough they're, jokes. They're, for they're them. there every night. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's a good point. I wonder if there'd be enough That's because the tickets were free. <laughs> <laughs> That's their joke. <laughs> okay. That might be annoying now that I think about it. No, that. it's not. 
It no. couldn't be as annoying as the Muppets themselves. <laughs> oh, no, I meant the, listening to the commentary track. No, no, I honestly, I, I quite <laughs> frankly, I'm on board with hating the Muppets. I know it's the thing where everybody my age is like, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, yeah, I, I haven't watched that new Muppet show. Not one no, lick thank of it. thank you. I, I don't like funny Sing, felt. Single, <laughs> single camera Muppets. Mm-mm. No way. No, okay. thank you. So the first movie yes. is from 1992. Yes. This is Reservoir Dogs. Um, Mike, how did you first uh, come to go see Reservoir Dogs? Well, you asked if I had a listing and where I put movies and things like that. This is my favorite movie of all time. Of all time, flat out. All movies. This is my favorite movie of all time. Star Wars. It takes a back seat. E.T. No, thank you. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Fuck that. <laughs> Last Temptation of Christ. Not a fan. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't think of any what, good movies. What about what about <laughs> Creed? What, what about Yentl? Uh No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no toll. Okay, so this is your number one. Um, yes, this is my favorite song. My favorite movie of all time. And th- because, but, and, but if uh, the Tarantino movies, then this is number one. Clearly. Okay. This um, would probably be no number two. <laughs> Very strange. This would be uh, this would be number two for me. But okay. it's a fantastic movie. Uh, I. I lived in Los Angeles and I was staying in it on a guy's floor or something. Um, I was between stuff and I read in the Los Angeles times about this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a review in the calendar section yeah. and it said, uh, it's a new film that kind of changes the way films are made. And it's a lot of tough guys doing tough guy stuff basically. And I was like, well, I fuck that's me. I'm in. <laughs> so I made my friend go, uh, and we went to a, a matinee. We went to the matinee the day mm-hmm. Friday that it opened. And we went into the theater and we, I sat there and I watched it and I, I was astonished by yeah. it because it was, it was literally as if a guy went, hey, Mike Schmidt, um, I'm going to write a movie you would like. Yeah. Tell me everything you would want in there. And it was just all, just again, that faux tough yeah. guy fucking. Colors. Nobody, yeah. uh, I, I, I like colors. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. a, I will, I'm not averse to that. And However, this movie's, this movie's 24 years ago. So this is, yes. this is prior to, to us having violent a lot of violent stuff like yes. you, you can watch you know you can watch game of thrones and see beheadings and all kinds of crazy violent stuff so this this was really well there was but a again, hard this, r but I this guess. movie isn't isn't really violent i mean you know he pulls away from well, the yeah. year scene you're, and yeah, the shootout right. happens that's true you know, that's the thing is he alludes to a lot of things because which makes it more violent yes, sometimes exactly because of the attitudes of the actors and the attitudes of the characters within mm-hmm. it it makes it more of a sinister there's this there's a there's this this simmering malevolence throughout mm-hmm. the entire film and it's great and it's all I, I I'm a fan of nobody backing down. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's nobody who shows ass in this movie. Nobody who's just like, I mean, Mr. Pink's in your comic relief. Yeah. But even he's ready to fucking cut your throat. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole deal. So I watched it with my buddy, Dennis, and I literally went across the street to a right aid. Fucking Dennis, man. Yeah, no, Dennis. He he knew he was there. Uh and I I went and I got change. And I called my friends in Chicago on a payphone. To tell them about this movie. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, and because that's how important and yeah. how, how, I mean, I was like, you have to see mm-hmm. this. You have to. I just saw this unbelievable thing. Uh, and then I watched it again. I, um, they were going to say you got changed so you could go back over and yeah. watch it a second time. I watched it again. I went and watched it again. Now I you did. watched it. At a, you watched it at a peep show, right? That's why you need to change. <laughs> I do. I go through a glory hole. <laughs> I got a cock in the eye and I loved it. I, um, I thought you were watching one of those like old timey <laughs> like <laughs> Steamboat Willie and then Reservoir Dogs came on. How great is Steamboat Willie? If Steamboat we're gonna Willie just die, the, you know yeah. what? I don't like. Uh, you don't like the way Mickey's like, drawn. I don't like that he. Uh, Sometimes puts his hand bu- hands behind his back and whistles. I love it. He's supposed to be driving no, the steamboat. Fuck that! Are you kidding me? He's yeah. in full control of that steamboat. Yeah, he takes it right into the t- I right into an iceberg. 
that thing where he's bouncing up and down, dude. Steamboat Willie's yeah. awesome. Uh, I kind of had the same uh, thing as you did. I, I was living in Chicago at the time, and I read an article about it. I think maybe in Time Magazine or something. You then know, you got a call from Mike Schmidt. I got a call from Mike Schmidt. <laughs> and I didn't even know Mike at this point. I don't, we don't know each other at this point. And, uh, and my roommate at the time, Ed Sagan, I go, there's this movie, man. It's supposed to be like the craziest violent thing, and we got to go see it. So we lived in Oak Park, and it was showing like close by at like some little art house type of a theater. And we went, and we, I was just like, the whole movie, I was just like squirming in my seat a little bit. And it was just like, you know, it got you on edge. And like yeah. the dialogue was, it was snappy and funny, and they were talking about pop culture stuff and you didn't hear stuff like that that's the thing it sings man that mm-hmm. movie just all over the joint you know toby mm-hmm. Chu, thanks frank toby sinatra Wong, toby it's i'm serious <laughs> i i that's that fine. movie sings baby it, it, it does it, it is absolutely just verbal tennis and it's happening in yeah. front of you and it's, it's all good. just it, everybody and everybody's great in it and there's, there's not great. one weak link larry great. larry that's right <laughs> story yeah. impression yeah um and it's uh and this is surprise i'm looking right now the budget was 1.2 million dollars mm-hmm. And it, the box office was 2.8. Yeah. So people were afraid to see it. Yeah. But scared. But the best part is that's his Doubled debut. its money. It's very, it's an independent movie. Very right. independent. But then, but people saw enough because then he also sold Natural Born Killers and he sold True Romance. So people, they got the vibe. Yeah. Stu- stuff he had in his drawer. He said, I got this. And they bought it. <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah. Exactly. He's working in a video store. He's working graveyard. You know what I mean? He, he and Roger Avery are, are, are together. And, and. Uh, uh, Avery. <laughs> Another time, Mike. Okay. Well, th- well, we'll do the Avery podcast. We'll come back and do that. We'll talk about killing Zoe. Never. We call it the Averyator. <laughs> um, also, before we even before we even get started, I th- I think this is uh, is the best soundtrack of any of his movies too. Okay, but you don't think that? I do not. Number one movie, but not number one soundtrack. No. All right. But I I love the what he did with the music in here, and we'll get to it. Obviously, okay. but. Let's get to it right now. You ready? All right. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, normally, I let you start, but I'm going to start because I want to rob a song from you so that then you can go, that's a, that, that's a duplicate, so I still get to play two. <laughs> but, uh, and Kyle, I want you to play whatever is number one and let it go right into two. Billy Super Sounds of the 70s Weekend just keeps on coming with this little ditty that reached up to 21 in May of 1970. The George Baker Selection little green bag yeah. that sounds great in the headphones that dunk, dunk. can we talk over it yeah you can talk oh, over okay. it oh okay yeah back on the track for a little green bag i mean i can just a kind of losing my mind No, what? because I picked this song. Can we get to the, the to the part that you know? I also picked this song. All right. So rather than you killing wanna... it, let's let it get to the when he hits the chorus hard. Okay. Extended version. It's about fifty-four seconds in, but you started it a little late, right here. Because that's when the name Reservoir Dogs comes on the screen in yes. the credits. This movie had songs in it like. I can't remember ever hearing Little Green Bag, and yet I felt like I had heard yes, it before. Exactly. It was that yeah. sort of thing where you had this familiarity. Yeah, and yet you didn't. But you know, it, was anything you, it was nothing you ever cared about, but then when you heard it, you're like, all I care about is that song. Yeah. I bought that. I went out right out and bought the soundtrack. Uh, my wedding party came into that song. And uh, how's that marriage going? Uh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about again? 
<laughs> she okay. actually played it when she fucking left me. So it was good. It worked out double. <laughs> uh, starts packing up and yep, you just start playing. Like, looking at some happy. She's fucking throwing shit in a duffel bag. Uh <laughs> Uh, because we were comedians at the time, we, we, we definitely knew of Stephen Wright. Yes. I love Stephen Wright. Uh, what was his album called? I had a pony. I bought a pony. Uh, yeah, I saw a pony. Saw a pony. Something something about pony. But um, so that was an extra added uh, thing. He's We don't see him in the movie. Never. No, he's a, he's the disc jockey. So, per, so great. Super so so great. I, yes. just, I love those interludes. Yeah. But uh, so we both had that because it's a great song. And well, now, yes. And now what do you have solo? Well, I don't think there's any doubt what I'm going to have. And I'm sure it's the next song you chose. And I will tell you, I only took two songs from the Rose Rudolph soundtrack. Because when I started doing this list, I said, well, I'll try to conform to your rules, obviously. <laughs> um, and of course, Little Green Bag I picked because right. uh, it's, it's, it's literally what starts everything off. Because yeah. they have the whole opening scene and mm-hmm. then as they're walking in slow motion down the alley and yeah. this is our Reservoir Dogs yeah. and you're like this is different than anything I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, but of course the second I would song, be Mr. Magenta would you really way. yeah who would you be <laughs> uh, well, I would want to be it, Mr. Green no you have to be a, oh, there's no Mr. Green no and Kyle of course Colonel Mustard <laughs> uh, or Miss Scarlet he could be that too oh. actually when I play Clue I'm always Professor Plum why is that I don't know. You you also get to go last if you're professor, professor Plum. Who made that rule up? That's you go in the order of where they're where they're positioned. So mm-hmm. it's Scarlet is always first. So you I cheat every time. Martin. No, <laughs> but that's the turn order. All right, well that's good. Are you the only person on Earth still playing Clue? I, I, that is like I, that's a lot. I have of the Clue app. <laughs> uh, that's my uh, that's my favorite board game. I like Clue. It doesn't make sense. Do you have a favorite board game, Mike? Wow, it's been a while. Yeah. Settlers of Catan. I like that game. Do you like that game? Yeah. yeah. I like, I've I, never played it in my life. <laughs> I like Stratego. Oh, yeah, sure. That's a good game, too. That's a good game. We used to have one with the wooden pieces. I like Soldier. I'm an old man. <laughs> the board was made out of marble, <laughs> and we couldn't take it anywhere because it was too heavy. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> All right, what's your song? Uh, well, there's, uh, there's a scene. It was the scene that kind of changed everything for me when I saw it. I mean, because... Uh, I, you know, the movie Reservoir Dogs, it resonates with me, but Mr. Blonde, the character Mr. Blonde, is my all-time favorite movie character. It's not even a color. It should be Mr. Yellow. Uh, no, absolutely not. Okay. Okay. That's a good way to get yourself shot by even <laughs> recommending something like that. Uh, but Mr. Blonde, the character, mm-hmm. everything he says, everything he does, every move he makes is the coolest, most awesome, psychopathic thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, even when anybody's yelling, his blood, it's like that line in... in Silence of the Lambs, and he goes, you know, his blood pressure never got above 80, even when he ate her tongue. Mm. Well, that's Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Like, Kaitel's yelling in his face, they're waving guns, everybody's, and he's, he never, he doesn't even breathe heavy. Like, he just kind of smirks at mm-hmm. everybody through the entire fucking movie. And we're so used to seeing bad guys who are like either crazy over the top psychopathic, yeah. or they're just scared inside or, for or, real. Yeah. Or, or giving you the speech before they cut your ear off. Exactly. No, well, he, he gives you just a little, but I mean, it's just, but he's just, He's at malevolence personified. You don't uh, you don't listen to this show on a regular basis, but uh, Kyle and I are uh, Kyle. Tell Mike who our favorite James Bond villain is. Oh, Bloodcock. <laughs> Bloodcock. Yeah. B L U with an umlaut. D K O K. K O K. Nice. The, K, right. the O might have an umlaut bond. as well. There's a lot of umlauts in that. Yeah. In that I thing. am Bloodcock Bond, <laughs> and you are about to die oh. at the hand of my cock. Is he a boss or is he a henchman? No, he's he's, a, he's, he's full like, on. He's, he's, he's like a he's like a blowfeld. He's like a blowfeld. Like yeah. but, right. but unfortunately, blowfeld is dead. He died at the hand of my blood cock. <laughs> he blew my blood cock for the last time. Oh my! 
<laughs> so I know the song you're going to play. Go ahead. Cue of course. It to you I'm going to play uh, you. Uh, Stuck in the Middle with uh, You by Steeler's Wheel. Very nice. Joe Egan and Jerry Rafferty from this bubblegum back into it. But the scene, it's just, it's astonishing. To walk around in front and, and you can't not think of this scene. No, you, song. you can't. And that's something that he, they had that they had to think about when they gave him the license to this song. Yeah, because he had to tell them. Clear no, one, no one would have listened to it otherwise. No, well, no, but it's a great song. It is a good song. It's a very '70s song. It makes you want to download Baker Street. Yeah, it does. Oh, it's a great song. to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Does that little fucking dance? Yep. And he fucking straddles, and the camera goes. So Combs his hair too, doesn't he? Uh, he cuts off the ear, and then he, gets, he, he wipes the blood off on his own fucking suit after he beats the shit out of him. Yeah, and he talks, just whispers into the ear. You know, Mr. Blonde is Vince Vega's brother. Uh, yes, he is. Yeah. Someday we'll see. They this. were supposed to make the Vega brothers. Yeah, they, should, they still might. I heard they still might. They might. I don't know why you're doing this meathead thing. That's all great yeah, stuff, and well, I hope it happens. I hope they do because if oh. they do, I, will I was kill, thinking today I will uh, kill both Vega brothers. I wonder if they <laughs> would. I wonder if they'd bring Kurt Russell back to be their dad, <sighs> or like a third Vega brother. I don't know. He just seems like Daddy Vega. Vibe, yeah. Daddy yeah. Vega is what I call that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, Daddy. Vega. I hope they don't consult you at all. <laughs> yes. So that, that, wait, wait, Daddy Vega, Volume One. Ooh. I, so that scene is uh, it's, it's iconic. The, the character, the it's scene, iconic. Yes, it is, and it's certainly iconic in, in Tarantino yeah. lore. That's a word I'm going to use a lot. Iconic, yeah. But yes, yeah, absolutely. So that that would be my next choice for that soundtrack. Would you call that scene divisive? I'm kidding. I just <laughs> I used that word a couple weeks ago. I'd love to throw it out there. Okay, I did not pick that song. Oh, because I knew you would pick it. Of course, because your favorite character in the history yeah. of movies absolutely uh, cuts the guy's ear off. Mm-hmm. So I used uh, this one, and just uh, this has been used uh, recently in a big movie too. So let's just hear this. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me, girl. You just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight. You let me know everything. I was actually very surprised that Guardians of the Galaxy used this song because I I do think it's kind of an iconic song in this movie too. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned with Little Green Bag, you're going, Mm -hmm. that's a song that has familiarity, but I don't recall hearing it a lot. That song I owned. I mean, I had the 45 of that song. I remember that song too as a kid. That was a big deal. So so what what part in the movie is that? Because I can't remember. It's been a few years since I've seen those war dogs. Uh, Christ, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I apologize. But that's it's right. it's uh, uh they cut. It's a cutaway, and it's it's. Oh, yeah. it's, he gets in the car, and then they drive away. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah. it's in he and I believe it's he and he's in Kaitel. No, he and Kaitel are sitting in the car on the mm. stakeout. Whatever. I, I don't remember. Oh, they yeah, get in the I, car I, and then they drive away. Talking. Yeah. No. Cool. Okay, yeah. you're up. You get your second song now. Well, Little Green Bag was my second song. Little Green, Little Green Bag. He only did two middle. for this one because yeah. of, he was following rules. I'll make up for it later. That oh, okay, was, that was where so it we're goes done. off we're, the we're rails. We're moving on. Yeah, we're moving on from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I okay. Think so, <clears throat> so we're moving on to Pulp Fiction. An, an unbelievable achievement for a second film. Un, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's it's uh, it's no sophomore slump at all. It's um, he takes everything that he did and just 
amps it up. One of my happiest moments was when I bought the, uh, I, uh, or I, I should say I rented the Crow. I had seen the Crow at the movie theater, and then I rented the Crow to mm-hmm. watch it at my house, and one of the trailers on the Crow was the Pulp Fiction trailer. Oh, and wow. I'm like, this so little nice. square contains everything I love. It was fucking so <laughs> That's great. pretty cool. And I had not seen, you know, I didn't know anything about That's it. That's cool. You saw before, the name Tarantino and you were right, like, what the? And then the trailer's ridiculous because uh-huh. it uses it uses Jungle Boogie and all the stuff. That's and, and amazing. And you see who's in it. And Travolta, which is also, that's another, that's straight up for me. Forget it. Travolta's yeah. like a total fetish. He brought, he, he brought Travolta back. That he did. You like hairspray? He offered Madsen that part. Well, he couldn't play his own brother. Yes, he could. God damn it. You're damn, he could be all the Vegas, buddy. Could he be Daddy Vegas? He's multi. He's going to be in... Uh, they, they make a movie. It's only him. It's like an Eddie Murphy movie, but he just plays every Vega. It's called Vegas or Vegas. You know the worst part of that movie, though? Vegas. I get it. The worst part of that movie is Roseanne Barr, Mama Vega. Uh, <laughs> Not good. Terrible. Uh, let me just say this. This movie was made... Maybe uh, he makes Vegaplicity. <laughs> this, this movie was made for $8.5 million dollars. This movie made $213 million because, uh, I don't want to use the word hype, but the word on the street about Tarantino was now huge in two years. Right. And I will tell you this, 100 million of that was mine. (laughs) (laughs) This was a movie when I was- Let me tell you something, Michael Schmidt. You will give me $219 million. That seems high. Or I will hit you in the face with my- Also, going back back to The Crow a second, if one more person fucking tells me about, they're remaking The Crow. They are. I, I know. <laughs> I hate to be that one guy, but yes. No, but they've been remaking the crows since uh-huh. like the second movie. Oh, Kyle, they're making one now. I know. It, it's it, and every every time it acts like it's the the first time anyone's ever heard oh. that news. And they're like, hey, the hey, the, yeah. And you know what else they're remaking? The crow. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, that's. Uh, did you tell Kyle? Kyle told me about it. I oh, think. okay. Yeah, that is, uh, that's grim. I don't. I don't get uh, it. Don't understand it. Pulp Fiction is my favorite Tarantino movie. Well, I would be, I was on the road at the time doing stand-up in uh, every city oh, I would be in. Oh, humble brag. Yeah, I'm very, very famous. And I, I would go, uh, literally, I would just go see it every time on the road. When I would have time, I'd mm-hmm. go, yeah, let's go. I'll go Saturday afternoon. I'll go Thursday night after the show, whatever. I would go. I watched it all the time in the theater. I saw it in, uh, where, where? Uh, I don't know why I'm forgetting this. Where is Mount Rushmore? South, South Dakota. North Dakota. South Dakota. <laughs> well, I saw it in one of the Dakotas. Okay. And uh, and I saw it twice, and it's amazing. Saw it twice. I was yeah. on the road doing stand up with uh, with uh, I don't want to name drop, but uh, you're right, Mike. It is thank South you, Dakota. friend of the show, John <laughs> Heffern. Friend of the show, John Heffern, and I were there. Oh, okay. And uh, so we saw it. I, I would see it in theaters, and uh, and again, I I love him, and I love what he does. And so, as you mentioned, that was the movie where everybody went, "Oh, there's this new guy we got to check out." So there were like, people who no, liked him. No, anyway, he's an old guy. He had a movie before, is what you would tell them. Okay, well, right? Yeah, I was I was there when it all began. Yeah. No, I'm. I would wind up in theaters, and it would be interesting. I I would see it. Uh, all right, when the movie starts, there's the whole scene in the coffee yeah. shop. And Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer, uh, spoiler alert, they jump up at the guns and they go, Is the robber? Motherfucker! And you fucking pigs move and I'll execute every motherfucking. And then Miserable goes, Boom! Well, and then when it goes, the hop, hop, and it goes, Ha! The Band Apart logo comes up, which is Tarantino's logo. Yeah. So I would see it in theaters where when that would come up, people would cheer. They would go crazy and clap. That's cool. They were so excited for the logo. Yeah. And then I saw it in a theater where when Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta are cleaning the car and mm-hmm. he does the speech about, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, you, we're switching. I'm, I'm washing windows and you're cleaning up this <laughs> skull. And it's, it is, that is my favorite part of mm-hmm. the entire movie. And I would be laughing and people would walk out of the theater because they didn't know who he was or what he was doing. Yeah. They would look at me like I was crazy 
and like, why are you laughing at this horrible racist joke? Yeah. And they would, but, and they'd made it to that point. That was the thing that fucking drove me crazy. Yeah. You'd made it to that point. Yeah, like that's two the thirds of the way and through. And you're bailing. Like people yeah. would leave. It happened. Uh, not interested. Not interested. No. Uh, it was in Iowa. I was okay or, with that rape of that dude, but I'm I'm out on this part. <laughs> well, they they weren't okay with that. That was a lot of oh 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 I oh. And personally, I think people would applaud Phil Lamar getting shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but they would look at me because I I can't I I wouldn't hide it. I I would that was such I would bathe in joy of that movie. It, it's everything about it is perfect. And so when I would watch it, I would be just astonished by how great, and I would laugh, and I'd love it. I knew it was coming. I saw it in the fucking theaters, you know, 12 times, whatever, mm-hmm. and loved every second of it every time I saw it. And people would, it was just interesting to see, you would see it with Tarantino mm-hmm. heads who would go crazy, and then you would see it with the people who would just be like, oh, I don't understand, because he was a new dude, and yep. everybody said, oh, you got to go see this, yeah. and then they'd walk into a fucking propeller. And he would, uh, he would do little, just tiny little cool things that I would love, like when they're at... Uh, is it Jack Rab- Rabbit Slims? Yeah. Yes. And she makes the square. Yep. And and he animated the square. Yeah. And it's just it's just a little thing like that. It's just so cool. You just sit there and you go, this guy knows. And this is your favorite. You say this. The Pulp Fiction is my favorite. It's so good. He um yeah I think I think it has everything that he does well mm-hmm. is in this movie and it's amazing. Like I was I was horrified. I would laugh. I would it just everything. All the emotions and and. Bruce, the, and I love Bruce Willis. I mean, I especially loved him at that time. And to see him in something really solid and showing that he, what, what a good actor he, and it, he it's is. It's a crime movie and it's, and it's a drama and there's tension and yeah. it's funny. Yep. There are parts that, you mentioned Bruce Willis, who's, who's really, really good in it. Yes. And the scene where he, you know, he discovers Travolta and mm-hmm. then he, he winds up killing him and he made yeah. that right when the Pop-Tarts come up. I mean, all those little timing, yeah. parts timing. Yeah, because he plays with, he plays with the, um, he plays with the, um, what do you want to call it? The space-time continuum. Timeline. Timeline. Plays yeah. with the timeline. It's non-linear. So yeah. when, when Willis gets in the car and you and he you think he's away, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. He escapes and the sound fades as he gets away from it. It yeah. gets louder when he gets into the apartment complex. Yep. The kids are playing. Yeah. Then it fades when he gets away. Yep. He drives away. He's singing the song yeah. on the radio. And he's like, that's how you're going to beat him, Butch. They keep underestimating you. And he pulls up to a stop sign and there's fucking Marcellus Wallace yeah. with donuts. And you're like, and I, I again, huge laugh in the theater because yeah. it's that tension weird. Yeah. Oh my God, really? Because he just looks at it and goes, motherfucker. And yeah. you're like, God, so yeah. what a perfect note. What a perfect note. And it's, um, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Were you saying something? I was going to say something. Um, well, you I said just, it was about Willis. You said it was horrifying. It threw a lot of tension at you as well as being funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, oh it made me, um, when, whenever I see any mom and pop shop now, no matter what it is, whether it's a mom and pop bookstore or a <laughs> pawn like, shop. There's a gift down yeah, there. Yeah, you're like, hey, you don't know what's going on. You go in this store to shop and the next thing yeah. you know, you're in a back room and I'm like, you can just you can walk down the street and go. What what's happening behind these doors? Yeah. I love when he when they pan to all the weapons. The too, greatest. It's like uh, yeah, and, and baseball just, bat, chainsaw, yeah. and samurai sword. Yeah, yeah. and you like, see him, and he's, he's just like yeah. And then the blood on the shirt has a Japanese flag look to it because yeah. it's very it's very you know yeah. rising sun. Mm-hmm. And he just walks through, and and then and that's a dun, 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 dun. such a great song. Yeah, and a Comanche, and he's coming in, and he's holding it in the, yeah. like a baseball bat. It's just so good. Zed's All dead, it, baby. There, Zed's dead. There is not a, a sour moment. Everything in it, nothing is perfect. Even when old. Julia Sweeney appears, it's it's fine. <laughs> 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 Even when uh, Alexis Arquette it pops up, you're okay. Okay with it. Yeah. It, everything is great. It's all real. It's it's an astonishing achievement. I think I know what's in film. that briefcase. Oh, do you? Yeah. All right. It's a Blu-ray of the crow. Do you think it's the Lin- <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's the Lincoln letter? <laughs> so Mike, uh, you want to jump in with your tune? 
Uh, well, I, I picked five for this. Okay, so, I mean, too many. Well, then this is the thing. You go first. Okay. Then I'll, I'll be able to kind of li- work off my list. Hit it, Kyle. Hang on. I wasn't on the right one. You son of a bitch. I didn't know who Dick Dale was to save my life. Yeah, but this is a different version. This is the soundtrack version. I couldn't find it. I had it. You told me, buddy. It's then, on mine. Then you know what... Okay, play his miserly. <laughs> Did he re-record it for the movie specifically? Uh, what, if, what if it's just Mike going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really is your version. <laughs> just go from the beginning. Okay, go ahead. I love you, honey bunny. Everybody, be cool. This is a robbery. Any of you fucking pricks, move! Is that Sharon Osbourne? I'll execute every motherfucking last one of It is. It's Sharon Osbourne. Oh, yeah, that's a much better version. And again, in the theater. Just, and then the boom, the logo. And then, and then the credits fade up Star Wars style. It just, it just hits you in the chest. Yep. Because, again, that whole scene of the dialogue, it's just back and forth. It's yep. crackling. And they bring out the guns. And then the boom. And you're just like, holy shit, you're in. You're sucked yep. into the universe. And now I know who Dick Dale is because I did not. Yeah. So great. I kept going through the version I, I purchased on iTunes. I'm like, this yeah. doesn't sound. Doesn't that have is, the. Yeah, that's, that's iconic in his in his lexicon, and it sets the tone. Again, he's very very efficient at setting tone right away. So the, the exchange in the coffee shop sets the tone for what you're going to see, right? Because it luxuriates in itself. It does. It doesn't. They don't try to fucking hustle through it. Mm-hmm. It still gets out done what it's got to get done, but it also has enough interesting moments where you're just like, yeah, you're on board, and then that song just yep. it punches you in the face. And what's so, great is, so what you're saying is that's when people should have walked out, not wait till the <laughs> racist comments because, and the rape. Because the play, they play with the timeline. At that point, you have no idea, no clue that Sam Jackson's and and, and Vince Vega are in, yeah. there, in that. Diner. Nothing at all. And and then the, the best part of too is, you know, in the credits for this, I'm sure people know this, you know, Miserloo's playing mm-hmm. and then he, uh, they turn the radio down, like the old school, up to, up to, you know, right yeah. when, and it goes to Jungle Boogie mm-hmm. and uh, Karen Rack, the name of the music supervisor, comes up at that moment nice. in the credits. So it does this little nod, you know, again, like you said, with the square, it's just all that stuff is cool. always thought of. Um, so I started with Miserloo, but then we played your Miserloo. So do we come back to me? Or do we no, go no, to no, you? no. I, I'm, I'll, I'll, let me give it. Uh, it was I'll your pick. You just had the worst version. Hmm. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to pick. Well, see, because I don't know which one you took. So I'm going to take one I'm, I'm betting you didn't take. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take a song called Bullwinkle Part Two, which is on my list there. Uh, Did not take it. it. Um, because, and go ahead and hit it. Just from the beginning? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Whose motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. This is a song that plays as uh, Travolta is high. He's just done heroin, and uh, it fetishizes the needle, the kit, the cooking in the spoon, the plunger, the rush. When he when he injects the heroin into his vein, and he goes. It's and again, it brings you right into that moment. I've never done heroin, won't probably. Yeah, but I kind of feel like in that moment you can see him. You've heard terms like on the nod or things like that. He's just ethereally floating through the world Man. after getting the, injecting himself. The guy loves doing window pane. He can't <laughs> he stop does. doing the H. <laughs> so um, that's the song that plays when I, he he. I, it fetishizes the yeah. whole you know the drug yeah. thing, but then it shows him driving. He's mm-hmm. going off to meet. I've, me. I've never read this anywhere, but this is my own theory that like. 
when they were doing the cooking scenes for Breaking Bad, I bet they used that as a reference because it's almost oh right exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and again, like I said, it's it's very um, it, it fetishizes the the, right, the whole yeah. moment. Um, but yeah, where he he's got the kit and he gets the he, he gives him dude when Travolta pulls out that fucking wad of money to pay Eric Stoltz. And he's just, he's talking about the dude who keyed his car and yeah. then he reaches into his jacket and he literally, he pulls out a fucking dodgeball yeah. of money wrapped up with like 40 yeah. rubber bands mm-hmm. and he just starts peeling off, you know, and yep. he's got, you know, you got the choco, you got the panda, you got the different kinds of heroin. <laughs> that, that's a fucking madman. And he takes that one, give me far grams of the madman and he gets high and he yeah. fails. Yep. Uh, all, again, all of it, just music, music, fucking music. And, here's and the thing. Eric Stoltz didn't know he was being in a movie. They just went over to his house and he's eating fruit brute and doesn't care. Yeah. He, was for him. Yep. he was almost replaced by Michael J. Fox in this movie. Oh, yeah. Did he really? Yep. Oh, damn it. Because uh, when they played with the timeline, they actually went back in time. <laughs> oh, uh, nicely done. So uh, I don't know how the listeners live their life, but for me, anything that's in a Tarantino movie is something I've never seen in my real life ever, <laughs> ever. I don't fruit know these people. I don't, nope. I don't know these people. I, I've never been in the presence of any of these types of people. So that's, that's another why thing. The universe it's, is so fascinating. Yeah. It, it's, and Tarantino's never been in, around these people either. Even in Pulp Fiction, there's the scene where, where Mia overdoses and he's on his way to Stoltz's house. Mm-hmm. He's, he's ripping through the streets of Los Angeles and like, you know, he's taking corners yeah. at like high speed. You're like, how the fuck? How could you ever do? We've been in Los Angeles. Yeah, you, can't you can't go can't fucking that. five feet. No. But in that universe, it's, it's, it's wide open. He pulls onto the fucking yeah. lawn. He drags her basically lifeless yeah. body into the living room. Yep. It's gorgeous. You know what's yeah. a funny uh, parody movie? Plump Fiction. Oh my God, really? So hysterical. <laughs> Is that a real movie? It's real real funny. You look it up, Kyle. (laughs) Look it up. Look it up. Type it up. Look it up. Uh, My next song is uh, is a band out of Chicago and a song written by my man, Neil Diamond. You typing up Plump Fiction? Oh, yeah. What's coming up? (laughs) Who's in that? Uh, Julie Brown? Yep. Oh, no. Tommy Davidson? Yep. That's grim. Let me guess. Look, who he, look how look at that just laziest. Yep. Yeah, terrible, terrible picture ever. We should watch it. Someday. We should absolutely. It's of a night. Let's Can watch you, them back to back. See how they hold up. <laughs> see I say we put them on, on both at the same oh, time yeah. and see oh, yeah. if they sync up. Yeah. <laughs> They'll sync up for about eighty minutes because that one can't be more than eighty no minutes long. <laughs> nope. Uh, so Kyle, let's hear a little bit of Urge Overkill. Uh, Good choice. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. Good choice. You'll be a woman. Now this song I love you so much Can't count all the ways I died for you girl And all they can say is He's not your kind Now this song never get tired of putting it down I don't want to talk over him singing Because it's so perfect Neil Diamond wrote this Roger Ebert used to say That the key to Silence of the Lambs Was Catherine Martin singing Tom Petty in the car Mm, because you cared about her the rest of the movie. It's true. Mia dancing to this and singing to it makes yeah. you care about her in a way, and you've cared about you liked her at the restaurant anyway, yeah. but it softened the little ice princess thing a little bit yeah. and showed her a little human and dancing around her house and singing. And so you really, you, then you really like her. I mean, you liked her anyway, mm-hmm. but now you're really on board with her. And and then, of course, all the, the she finds the, yeah. the, the heroin in the pocket and goes bananas. But yeah. I mean, it's... But yeah, great choice. And I mean, I remember when it played, mm-hmm. and also it's so funny because she plays the record. She plays Son of a Preacher Man on, mm-hmm. on vinyl. Right. And then that's on reel to reel. Again, just tearing crazy these nods yep. to, you know, to to unconventional tech. Yeah. So um, I do not find Uma Thurman attractive. Do you, you find are her wrong. attractive? 
you are wrong. No, no, don't say that I'm wrong. You can say, I hate when people say that. You're I wrong. I know you do. That's why, I said, that's why I did it on purpose. But do you really find her attractive? I think she is an incredibly beautiful statuesque woman, yes. Kyle, tiebreaker. It, it, it just depends, honestly. Like, it depends. Like, I think she's more She's attract- nude. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, she's more attractive in Kill Bill, I think, than Pulp, Pulp Fiction. She's got those funky feet in Kill Bill. Yeah. No. Remember the Funky Feet Five? I, I do not. Okay. Were they friends? They're friends with the uh, Bingo Lungs Traveling All Stars and Motor Kings? No, I think they were friends with the Funky Phantom. Oh, okay. Oh my God, how good was that show? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I'm a ghost who's on the spirits of 1776. <laughs> it's like a gay snagglepuss patriot. Like what, what, what is that? And, and then they're they a ghost who's cat. afraid of ghosts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a skeleton. They'd You're like, a ghost. That'd be like every time if you saw a person, you were terrified. <laughs> well, that's like a shark who's like scared of everything and plays drums in a band. Like, Are you fucking kidding me with this? A ba- Go bite like, him. And, and rides, everyone, in a, rides in a doom buggy. He does. And, and everyone kind of looks like amalgamations of yeah. Scooby-Doo yeah. characters. <laughs> I look like Fred and Velma. That's strange. <laughs> what was the show where they drove around and chug a boom? What was that? Was that Wacky Races? Was speed buggy? Speed buggy. Speed but buggy. then I think... <laughs> <laughs> That was an annoying a talking car with a, a Tina Barbera were one trick how ponies. About, how about yeah. Goober and the Ghost Chasers? Oh, I remember my that. God. Yes, indeed. Remember Far Out Space Nuts? No. Amazing. I had read, did you Amazing were Chan and the Chan Clan? Oh, yes, indeed. The van would change. They had a Chan van. <laughs> yeah, they did. It would change into different cars. <laughs> There's nine kids in there, and all of a sudden now it's a Corvette. No. Yeah. No, I'm on I'm on board with all of them. Give me a bowl of fucking Count Chocula, and I'm watching that shit forever. I'm Not in. Fruit Brew. I'm in. What uh, what you what you just say? What was the last one you just said? The space far out space. That's, I had to read a review of that for that, uh, like. Remember? Did you work on that Tomorrowland website? Wasn't that a live action one? Did uh, uh, yeah, it was. It was Bob Denver. Uh, did Gilligan. you? But it was me and. I, did you write it that thing with me and Daniel Koenig and uh, Andrew and all that, no, that website? No, nope. it was called Tomorrowland. And I think uh, Gobel wrote for that. And Sid maybe Marty, Carla. Sid Marty Carla, you wrote like, the movie Tomorrowland. I did not. Uh, it was some <laughs> website, and I had to write a review of it. And I, I remember writing because the, the the premise of the show is they're on a fucking rocket. And, uh, and they're lost. They're lost on like an island, but in space. Well, they, but they want to have lunch. This is literally the <laughs> truth. They wanted to have lunch. And uh, and the guys had time to break for lunch. And they thought they said launch. So they launched the rocket with themselves in it into space. And I wrote, I, and I said, you know, the premise is so ridiculous because not only would you to even think that you would do that, but who thinks the janitor has the go ahead for that? That he tells you to launch them into space. So there you go. I, I there, there's no that. like, there's no protocol. And, nope. And they're just like, oh, no. what? There's, you, one, there's one button. <laughs> yep. I'm not wish, even a key. Can we go back in time and pitch shows? Because it sounds like yeah. anything went. We were in what, Saturday what, morning, is it for, certainly. Is yeah. it for kids? What, what is it? It's, <laughs> a, it's a bunch of kids. They're afraid of ghosts. Okay. And then uh, Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space, that spaceship looks like a penis. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I haven't seen it. I gotta check it out. Mike, I'm sorry, this happens from time to time. Uh, Kyle, did Michael Shanker just come in here again? Uh, I think so. Jesus. Hi, Michael. Nice to see you. Do you want to say something? Oh, he's walking over. Oh, this is... Jesus. Every time. Hi, this is Michael. I hope you're all doing great. We're fine, Michael. We're just recording, trying to get through this Tarantino tunes. If you want to take a seat, you can have you over again later. Hi, this is Michael. I hope you're all doing great. I'm also glad that the recording has been successfully completed. Well, it hasn't. No, no, we're still going to keep on rocking. Okay, we're going to keep on rocking out, but if you just stay right there, we're going to try to successfully complete the recording. But thank you, Mike. We're in the middle of the show here. I know, it's so weird. He just, he's around the back of the building in the alley, well, up why and down. Why do you think we were done? We're clearly still recording. <laughs> Maybe he just <laughs> hates it. He wants us to be done. <laughs> could be it. <laughs> he's got a track he wants um, to lay down. 
Do you have another Pulp Fiction song? I do, as a matter of fact. You know what's um, a good uh, porno? Uh, pulp Friction. Oh, my God. How good is that? I don't know. should I be mean, Pump Friction, shouldn't it? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. May, maybe there's Plump Friction. Oh, I'm sure there is. Reservoir <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> is that a good porno? <laughs> Jackie Cock. All right, so... <laughs> Um, and then like abandon it all completely the hateful not, 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 not even Jackie Brown Eye <laughs> nope no, no sir abandon, abandon the premise immediately Kill um, Pussy Volume 1 <laughs> that actually probably is one that exactly. probably is okay uh, what's up um, in Glory Holes Bastards oh, oh no that's a real one that yeah, has that to be a real one done if it's not we're making it let's put it together <laughs> tonight Shanker take Why your not? pants off <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, obviously girl, you'll be a woman soon is on my list of, of stuff as well, but I'm going to pick, uh, and because I, there, I think the whole soundtrack is worth picking, but I'll pick this one. It's going to be an obvious one, but also it's another one that makes you love Mia and it makes you love Travolta. Uh, and it is the one that kind of leaped out of the movie. Okay. Um, it's, uh, you never can tell by Chuck Berry. Oh, that's a great. Song. And it is the soundtrack for the twist contest, mm-hmm. the Jackrabbit Slims twist contest now if you want to jump because the beginning of it it's uh, you know it's it's got the it's about 30 seconds of vocal which is fine but it's a drop from the movie yeah um but and it's interesting you asked me to set these up where i'd like them to play yeah tarantino does a really good job of the beginnings of songs start everything it's I mean, kind of true he doesn't jump in the middle so that's why it's very hard on this list everything to me i've had beginning 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 and that's they, fine they start right at yeah the that's beginning. fine and for him, he got Travolta to dance on, on film again. And he wanted it so bad. Yes. And the, the build for it, because Travolta, you can see him, he's just kind of like, all right, whatever, the, the character of Vincent Vega. Yeah. And, then he, and then he starts to see that she's really dancing. He's like, all right, well, we're doing this. Yep. And he just kind of, he starts to cut into the, he does the fucking Batman and the Watusi yep. and stuff. Fantastic. And you can look around at the extras. And they, do you think those people just went, do you, do you imagine what we're seeing right now? I mean, yeah. this is really incredible. It's so fun. And there's extras out of context because they, they didn't, at that point, they had no idea what, what else was in the movie. They just no thought, clue. hey, this is, a, this is a rom-com about these two hipsters who go, to a, <laughs> go out on a first date. And also she, you, you can see the improvisation they have in the mm-hmm. dance. They're really dancing. Yeah. So then she kind of mimics Wait his moves. Wait a minute. Are you, that's, not, that's not animatronic dancing? You know what I mean. Okay. I mean, there was no script or anything. They, she's following his lead and he's following her There was lead. no script for this film? This Listen, is entirely... No, a, it's very well... It's like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Very much <laughs> like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, so you can see they're playing off of one another. And so you see the chemistry that they have with yeah. one another. It's It's... You know, we were seeing it anyway in their discussion, mm. but then you can see the physical chemistry, and so you totally buy the fact yeah. that he has to give himself that talk at the house right. and go, "Don't be rude, drink your drink, and you're gonna get the fuck out of here and yeah. jerk off," because yeah. it's like he wants to have sex with her so yeah. bad. You can see the chemistry was un- yeah. off the charts. So that, but was then my later choice. he does, he puts his needle right in her. Uh, uh, yeah, he does, <laughs> and he, it, not gently at all. No, no, sir, just jams no. it right in there. Yes, he does. Oh. Doesn't fucks fuck her right. heart. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> Heart fucks. That's what I. That's, that's got to be some parody of something. Let me tell you something, Bond. Oh yes. Over here, I have uh, some Leslie girl. Hot fucks. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a barn girl. Yes, Barned sir. girl. Yeah, a, bar, a girl from the barn. <laughs> we, we, are, we are not good. Hi, I'm Leslie Hot fucks. Oh. We are not something. good improvisers, Mister Bond. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, I would just say, over there is a girl, and I'm going to fuck her heart. Oh my lord. Bloodcock. <laughs> Blued, blued, blued cock. Sorry, blued that. cock. That so now we're, move, we're moving on. Poster. We're moving on to Jackie. Uh, yeah, Jackie Harry. I think so. <laughs> Jackie Brown. Yes, sir. Jackie Brown. I think I'm now. This one I need to revisit because um, 
because I've only seen it once, I think, and I did like it. This is one of the most underrated ones, and this is probably, Clearly. I mean, the, these first three are probably my top three. And this is, anyway, um, and I really love that. Like, this is probably like one I saw last, you know, after whatever was out, probably after Kill Will 2. Mm-hmm. Jackie Brown gets it's it gets short shrift and it shouldn't. He, but I don't know why. It's great. Um, because it, it, people would say it's long. People would they you know they had beef with it because it's it's well, a slow it, burn. Well, all also, his, all his not, movies are long. Also, yes, it's not Pulp Fiction. That's that was, probably why the that's the, that's biggest, the biggest thing. It's not it's, Pulp it's Fiction. It's similar to it, but it's not trying to be Pulp Fiction. But, but I think it, everyone it, and he's it also was going to be. he's also uh, he's also. Um, writing from source material mm-hmm. that was written by someone else. He's adapting Elmore Leonard's yeah. novel R- Rum Punch. Rum Punch. Who, right. who made uh, uh, Justified. Elmore, Elmore Leonard? Leonard? Yeah. Oh, but but honestly, he he shows how much skill he has by mm-hmm. adapting that material and making it his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he is so uh, such a brand and so in tune with who he is and how he writes mm-hmm. for him to take source material and turn it into something that he would promote, mm-hmm. uh, put out. Cause again, and by the way, um, it's hard to improve on Elmore Leonard. I mean, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to make it sound like Tarantino gave this poor writer a break. I mean, yeah. Elmore Leonard is a fucking genius. Yep. So for Tarantino to go ahead and take that and, and also meld his talents to that. Uh, I, I honestly, I wish he would do it again. I, I wish he would, uh, maybe for his next movie, he would, uh, adapt some material because uh, I heard Seuss has got a lot of stuff that hasn't been touched yet. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, <laughs> John definitely. Phillip? No, 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 Doctor. Oh, he's a doctor. I thought you said Sousa. No, Seuss. Um, <laughs> now this movie he also has stuff. This too, movie was made. Fair. This movie was made for twelve million dollars. Fucking hat. <laughs> the ninth <laughs> film by Quentin. You know, yeah. it was made for twelve million dollars, and the box office was seventy-four million. So that's not a slouch by any means. No, but when I mean, sure, it's not. It's a it's a slouch compared to two hundred and nineteen million. Well, because they compared but, it to a cultural icon. Yeah, I mean, it, literally, that was compared a, it, it to was, his his at the time. Well, I mean, most popular, yeah, masterpiece. Yeah. And and because people, that's why they went to see it. They're like, oh, it's so different from this, and it, it's kind of really not. I mean, it's still full of amazing performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know if you want to go first or you want to take... Because uh, he sets the tone right away with the music. He sets the tone right away with the credits. He sets the tone with the opening scene because he was making a nod to black exploitation right. films. Mm-hmm. And so by casting Pam Greer, he mm-hmm. was reaching out to that era. But then the song that he uses in the opening credits, mm-hmm. uh, it, which is... Uh, it, it's across 110th Street. Okay, so, well, I, I, I have that. But let's uh, play what I have before, Kyle, and it'll go right into it because I want to hear a little more Stephen Wright throughout the show. Okay. The super Sounds of the 70s continues. You just heard The World is a Ghetto by War and Billy Don't Be a Hero by Bull Donaldson and the Haywoods. And if you're the 12th caller, you'll win two tickets to the monster truck extravaganza being held tonight at the Carson Fairgrounds. Featuring Big Daddy Don Bodine's truck, The Behemoth. The 12th caller wins on the station where the 70s survived. (laughs) K-B-I-L-L-Y. Mike's mad because I didn't start at the beginning. I am. Because the the, the opening riff, it sets up everything. I'm not saying what I did was all right. Trying to break out of the ghetto was a day-to-day fight Been down so long, yet nothing crossed my mind But I knew there was a better way of life And I was just trying to find You don't know what you do till you put under pressure Cross 110th Street is a hell of a tester Across 110th Street Great song. 
It's now. I agree with you. The uh, starting at the beginning is great when I'm looking at the visual. Yeah. But for the show, I got to drop it in where where we can hear some. And that's some, fine. Some it's some your show. I, but I just it's because they play so, the opening riff. No, he, it's fine. We did his thing. Um, but yeah, for me again, because he he literally starts them at the beginning, so that's kind of why I always associate it with that. But but that song again. That's a song that you went in your head, hey, I think I've heard this before, but if I haven't heard this before, all I want to do for the rest of my life is hear this song. Right, yeah. Because you you discover it, you go, that is a fantastic piece of art, and then it bookends the movie. You know, it opens the movie where she's basically arriving at the airport, and she's on the moving walkway, and the, and the font is yellow. It's just, it's just the whole feel of it. And then at the end, when, uh, spoiler alert, Pam mm-hmm. Greer is driving away. What? He comes through the windshield. Pam, just, Dr- Pam Greer can drive? Yes. Yeah, she gets her license. <laughs> Jesus. He's focusing on her face. And, and again, the words of that song are relevant to her and her experience. Right. In, in, in real life and in the song and in her career. And you feel it not only with the character, but also with Pam Greer herself. And she mouths the words... And she just, but it, I, dude, I can't explain to you how good Jackie Brown is. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it like tomorrow or yeah. yesterday. It's probably the one that gets overlooked. Definitely looked. don't watch it today. De- Either De tomorrow in or it. yesterday. De Niro's, yeah, you're right. Robert De Niro is in it. You for, you forget, you know, because mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson, again, is just is powerhouse. But yeah. I mean, there's so, Chris. Keaton. Uh, Keaton. Uh, Michael Keaton. Michael, Michael Keaton is so great. Playing the same character that he plays in the Steven Soderbergh film, yes. Out of Sight. Exactly. And and that but that's again that's a little Tarantino thing these little nods it's like when, Bridget Fonda well never mind. well it's like when Harvey Keitel was the wolf. she's fucking great in it. I know. I, you know she's really good um, when Harvey Keitel is the wolf in Pulp Fiction he's playing a character that he was that he played in uh, uh, Little Nikita is that the one he's a cleaner basically in that one and it's essentially the same character I had no idea yeah so so th- those you know to throw that kind of stuff around again it's those little in winks those little nods and they're just they're so great. So it's your turn. All right. Well, I mean, I, I had to cross 110th Street again because it sets the tone of a mm-hmm. 70s movie. Yeah. It, it's the opening and the end, and it bookends the entire film. Uh, but another song where you heard it and you went, I, I don't think I've heard this, but I don't want to do anything the rest of my life but hear this song is Strawberry Letter 23 by the Brothers Johnson. Nice. <laughs> And just this this harpsichord, this I mean you're just like, where is this sound from? It, music doesn't sound like that anymore. I'm old. Now it's all twerking. <laughs> As Elwood Blues would say, today's music is all pre-programmed electronic disco. <laughs> so when this song plays in the movie. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is off to do something bad, and and he gets in the car, and it's nighttime, and he 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 puts in the the tape. Sam Jackson's always doing something bad in a Tarantino movie. But when this song plays, it's there's a bad guy, and he's got bad things to do, and he's putting on black gloves in his car, and he's putting he's this song. He's just white Bronco. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he gets in, and he just he drives. You know, a short. I I won't spoiler alert it, but. Just the actual scene where he sits in the car and he, and he just throws the song on and he puts on the gloves and he and it's again it's it's really stylized. I can barely really remember this movie. I am definitely you have yeah. I definitely watch don't this, think um, we should spoil this because I think this is the one that the least amount of people have seen. Yeah, I'm mean, definitely. Uh, we'll spoil the hell out of everything else, but this one uh, we're gonna. But he takes you know Robert Forster is in this mm, movie and it makes yeah. you, uh, I didn't know I know fuck all about Robert Forster except in this movie he's astonishingly yeah. good. Yep. And I guess then I go then you go to find out about him like oh that guy's been around forever and he yeah. did these things and he kind of fell off the radar and that's what he did with Travolta he does it with a Robert Forster he finds people mm-hmm. and he reinvigorates 
motivates them with work that they can do and do well. Who would you like him? Who would you like to see in a Tarantino movie that you haven't seen already? Bill Kirkenbauer <laughs> from just the ten of us. Yeah, him. Is he alive? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But I don't think Bill Kirkenbauer. <laughs> are you confusing him with Bruce Babyman Baum? Perhaps. There, there's a good chance. No, seriously. Is there an actor that you would like to see in a Tarantino movie? Boy, I, I should be prepared for this kind of question. But I mean, there's... Yeah, because I emailed you all the questions prior to the show. <laughs> uh, Bill Kirkenbauer is still alive. How old is he? Uh, he's 62. Well, the time is right. <laughs> People he could be the next Bruce Dern. People, people need more... Uh, Kirkenbauer. He could have been Sweet Dave. Could have I'd been like Sweet to Dave. see. I'd like to see my man Tom Cruise in a Tarantino movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, he could do that. But I, I think more along the lines. You of want someone, like someone was, who was the sure. career is on the wane. Well, those those older legends like a Robert Wagner or somebody like that, where you just go, well, can he do Robert good work? Wagner. Does he have good work in him? Can he bring it back and do that work? Or? You know whose career needs a shot in the arm that should be in one of the uh, new Tarantino movie? John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's but you hear these names like, pardon me, <coughs> like Marcellus Wallace was Ving Rhames, but he offered that part to Sid Haig. Do you know who Sid Haig is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just, it's amazing to me that he would even think that, hey, I should get Sid Haig to do this kind of thing. And, uh, and Sid Haig turned it down. Good one. But Ving Rhames is amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone yeah. else to know it. That's the thing about that. You hear, listen, who turned it down? And then usually I go, well, Lawrence Bender said Ving Rhames' audition is one of the best he's ever seen. They couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, th- and the only reason they auditioned him because Sid Haig said no. And, uh, and I wish I'd have known that when I met Sid Haig in a Walmart at Porter Ranch. Because I said, Sid what the Haig hell is, is wrong with so you? so creepy. Yes, he is. He's, and he's awesome at it. Yeah. But then he's in Jackie Brown. Who's the guy? He's the judge who, who uh, you know, winds up saying I don't, I don't know Jackie why Joe. I can't pull his name, but um, the guy who's in the smoking in the boys' uh, room, Motley Crue Michael video. Berryman. Yeah. yeah, how has he not popped in up in one of these Tarantino <laughs> movies? Well, but the, the the key though is it's someone who has to have done good You're work right. that he could recognize. You know, you like, know, like uh, Berryman. <laughs> I don't. You don't I've think he's solid act. as the as the as the principal and uh, smoking in the boys' he room? He does a fine job, but I I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd have to really think about it because I I, I wish I had. What about that Chris Farley? Where's he been? Bring him back. Why not? <laughs> he could do some good work, probably. Uh, but yeah, that's you know, like a I like Brian Dennehy. You know what I mean? Who I think yeah. is dead. But but I mean, like you know, that's the kind of guy you, you'd be like, you want him to do cast you know, a movie with all dead people. You know who I'd love to see in a Tarantino movie? Tell me. I, I asked you ten minutes. James ago. Woods. I think James I think James Woods, Woods has done fantastic work in his career. It's pretty good. It's and, pretty uh, good pull. Brian Dennehy's still alive. Bring seventy seven. So fine. Throw him in. Get but, him Dean Kane. But dude, <laughs> I don't know about all that. No. But dude, James Woods is one of those guys yeah. where you just he's he's done fantastic mm-hmm. work in the past. You know, and Once Upon a Time in America, and he's and Casino. In Casino, he's like John a Carpenter's scumbag. Vampires. Yep. He's really good in John I, Carpenter's Vampires. Believe that it or not, great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love that, that movie. Not too. bad. He lets him because he again he basically runs the show yeah. and does whatever he wants. Lost Muerta is not a good movie. No. Bon Jovi, bon Jovi not good. Clearly not. Although I'd like to see Bon Jovi in a Tarantino. Movie. No, you would not. Yeah. This is getting murdered in the opening scene. Yeah. No. Come on, Don Jovi and the Gimp. Uh, you know, but you know, Pacino. Obviously, you want to do that. Ah, I'd I mean, love to be in one. I'd love to see Michael Keaton with a larger part in in mm-hmm. one of those movies. You know what I mean? It's 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 you know, he could write for anyone. I would yeah. think the fact that he's got Kurt Russell now in his what about in his Clint Lexi- Howard? Huh? Clint Howard? I'm going to say no. Oh, okay. I'm going to pass on a Clint Howard. Um, <laughs> he's not the guy at like a bus station. Bill Paxton. Hmm. I could see him do good some work. Some good work. All right, Lance Henriksen. 
Oh, I see him doing fucking amazing that's work. Per, I think that's perfect. That's a guy I like. I'm in a huge Led Zeppelin. Robbie guy. the Robot. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to pass on a robot. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's hear uh, Tom. Har- oh, Tom Hardy, Michael Banna. Okay, the show's not all about now naming people. <laughs> you have. We have to move on. Well, because now I'm getting flooded with them. Um, I just I just think Tom Hardy's okay. He's just okay in everything. Really? He's not. He's in any movie. Replace him with someone else. Same movie. I haven't seen Legend. It's pretty great in Legend. But plays ba- two people. Bane plays brothers. Sucks. Michael Jai White, who actually is in Kill Bill. He's in mm-hmm. The Dark Knight. Uh, and, and he's fantastic. And he's Spawn. And you know what that is? Basically a Crow reboot. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> How about Jaleel White? What about Jaleel White? I rented Spawn and it had the trailer for Plump Fiction. What about Jaleel White? Uh, probably not. No, I'm no. going to say. Okay. No. He, shoot, he shoots someone and goes, did I do that? It's just normal. And then Let's, winks at the camera. My next song from the Jackie Brown soundtrack is yes. by uh, a gentleman who was guest on our show, Mr. Elliot Easton. This is his band, Elliot Easton's Tiki Gods. And this is Monte Carlo Nights. Literally only picked this one because Elliot Easton. I, I know that because I couldn't even tell you where this is in the movie. I think it's end credits, maybe. <laughs> I think the name of the song is End Credits. <laughs> Faded down, Kyle. You look trying to look up where it is in the movie. No. All right. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm looking to see if Jackie Brown is on Amazon Prime or Netflix. You maybe do that on your own time. <laughs> Mike, what's your next song from Jackie Brown? I, I'm done, man. I'm out. I, my, the two that I had were, right. uh, were Across 110th Street and Strawberry Letter 23. We're going to move you into know, the... And, f- you know, you could go with Didn't I Blow Your Mind this time, didn't I? True. Go with some Delphonics uh, if you wanted to, because it plays a pivotal part in the film. Absolutely, it does, Mike. But I picked two, and those were the two I picked. Um, and I, I will say that that is, for me, Tarantino's second best use of music. You, you thought it was dogs? Mm-hmm. And for me, I, Jackie Brown is the... Well... It's a tie, but that for me is his best use of music in a okay. film to set a tone. Uh, now, Jackie Brown came out in 97. His next movie doesn't come out for six years. Yes. And, but during that time, he uh, plays a deacon in Little Nicky. So <laughs> we're cool with that. But uh, Kill Bill Volume 1, uh, I guess. Oh, it's a deacon Tarantino. <laughs> is that your Little Nicky? Yeah. It's better than the actual movie. It nice. probably is. Uh, this was, uh, they cut it into two parts because it was just, it, this was really just too long. Right. I, not for me. I mean, I could have sat and watched the whole thing. Well, how, how long would it be all together? Uh, it would be about four hours, four and a half. He's any, he, he, I don't know if he's released it as that. He, he had threatened to for a long time. Um, but I don't know if he was able, if he mm-hmm. stitched them together. Because you know, there's scenes again. There's mm-hmm. scenes that he actually cut that are yeah. that are. Because I read, I you ever read David Carradine? There was the book on David, David Carradine wrote, and he explained you know filming it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a whole scene where with Michael Jai White where it's a karate fight and all this stuff, and it would have been awesome. Yeah. but it, it wound up disappearing. He uh, he pulls one of those actors um, that hasn't been used in a long time into this. He pulls um, the aforementioned David Carradine. Yeah, uh, from Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's terrific. Uh, this is this. Is, I love. I love Kill Bill. And, and again, he gets amazing work out of David Carradine. There's a know? there's a scene. There's a there's an anime scene. The origin of Oren in this movie that was phenomenal. Yeah. And that's and this is before, at least, 
at least in, in America, I think that that anime was really like anime is a big thing now, right? With all these Miyazaki films and stuff, but I've to, this might have been the first time I really. Mm, well, you, I would, I would disagree with that. Well, I for remember, me, for me, I'm just going I remember, with me personally. Like, walk, watching a bunch like prior to that coming out. Mike, yeah. can you punch Kyle in the face? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Some Foley work. <laughs> but uh, let me. Uh, my first song uh, on Kill Bill soundtrack is going to be introduced again by uh, by Stephen Wright. Okay. <laughs> what? Is, wow. <laughs> Are you family? We bore you. Somebody want to be wanted. Followed by Edison Lighthouse's Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes. As K. Billy's super sounds of the 70s weekend just keeps on trucking. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. Nancy Sinatra. He wore black and I wore white. He would always win the fight. Bang, bang. He shot me down. Bang, bang. I hit the ground. Mick Foley's favorite bang, song. Bang, the, the wrestler Mick Foley? Mankind. <laughs> bang, bang. Cactus Jack. My baby shot me down. Burt Reynolds in a Tarantino movie. Came and the time yeah, yeah, fantastic. But he's all shaky up, now. Maybe he plays a guy with a problem. He would always laugh and <laughs> you can turn it down, Kyle. So that's uh, Bang Bang, My Baby Shot Me Down. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer would be good. That would be great. Goose. Mm, Anthony Edwards? Yeah. He's a good actor. No, I mean a goose, a real goose. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now you're talking. You said Tarantino can write for anyone. <laughs> he, he could, clearly. So what's your... Uh, <laughs> the Aflac duck? Yeah, sure, the Aflac duck. <laughs> um, Robert Downey Jr., who's, you know, I mean... He, he's he's, he's going to be, he's gonna be yeah. Iron Man nine more times, I, so he I can't understand, do it. but I'm just saying to see his talents adapted mm-hmm. to that dialogue, yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be phenomenal. He played Hitler in a movie. No, uh, I'm sorry, that was Chaplin. He, no, he played Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd and John Cusack in Tarantino movies. And How about that? Called? Gross Point Fiction. Well, I do that scene. In the, again, that's why I thought of it, because yeah. that scene in the coffee shop where Aykroyd and Cusack are going back and forth. And talking fast. Yeah. Fast talking Aykroyd. Exactly. When he when he dials into what he can fucking do, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal to watch. Yep. He might have gotten fat and happy, and he's yep. like, you yep. know, living off all that fucking blue, House of Blues money. But, dude, when he wants to, and he dials it in, he's fucking great. Yeah. When me and Mighty Mac, when we hit the boards... <laughs> All right, no, 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 Mighty Mac. Yeah, in that fucking show when Cusack was brothers, a Mighty Mac and what? Elwood when no, we hit Cusack, the boards, dude, that's a good one. Now, I, now I know that uh, he's not washed up by any means, but what about Morgan Freeman? I, I again, I would watch Morgan Freeman do anything. He would do very well with that material and mm. stuff. But I mean, I, I you know, I, I is he on board with getting called a nigger fourteen times in the first minute? He would not be on board with that. You don't think so? I don't think he would be. <laughs> I don't think anybody is. I don't. That think was the twentieth time I was called that word on the first day of set. <laughs> I miss um, my friend. And that was when we were not filming. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first song, dude? Uh, you know, I actually have. I chose five songs. All right, <laughs> too but, uh, many. but it is too many. Did you pick "My Baby Shot Me Down"? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, but I will tell you this: I, one of the songs I picked is not on the soundtrack, but it is a seminal moment in the film, and it needs to be mentioned. Uh, Nobody But Me by Human Beings. 
happens in the House of Blue Leaves okay. when the lights turn out and then and and she winds up fighting the crazy. We NBA. will allow it. Well, it's not going to play. I just oh. want to talk about it because there are so many other iconic bits of music he's used, and I'll get to them in other films, that you in your brain you just go, well, fuck, that's, I mean, it, why isn't that on the soundtrack? That should totally be on the soundtrack. Instead, you get, you know, 14 minutes of the RZA throwing swords, which mm-hmm. is fine, but it honestly, you know, if you would have thrown nobody but me in there, it would have worked perfectly because, again, in the House of Blue Light, uh, Leaves, when the lights turn out and she fights, it's, it's yeah. phenomenal. It's a great scene. So the, I will pick this. Uh, and honestly, it's two songs that really should be a suite because they go together in the film. Okay. But it's the Green Hornet theme and, uh, and you don't... Uh, and, By Al Hurt. Yes. And Battle Without Honor uh, and, and Humanity. I forget. I think it's the long, the real, the full name. This soundtrack, you couldn't buy individual cuts, or I would have got Al Hurt. Well, when you talked about this, uh, remember you talked about how in the, uh, like how ethereal it was in the beginning when she, uh, yeah. you know, I'm trying to, make, I'm trying to make, in this movie, when she gets on the plane, yeah. it's so stylized and so different and so amazing, because this plays, and yeah. she's flying in, dude, she's got her samurai sword on a plane. I know. And then at the end of the movie, she's- This is post 9-11. Yes. And then she's flying away at the end of the movie. She's got her sword. Another guy has a sword on the plane. It's it's just this weird thing where the camera pans by it. You're like, that's fucking awesome. Um, but that song plays, and she's on the plane flying into Tokyo. She walks past a sign for Red Apple Cigarettes, which he's mm-hmm. plugged in Pulp Fiction. And then she gets in the full yellow in the fucking Bruce Lee tracksuit, and she rides the motorcycle. And the crazy 88 are driving through the streets of fucking Japan. And then she comes up alongside Sophie Fatale. And then, uh, and as that song plays, the crazy 88 arrives at the house of blue leaves mm-hmm. and then battle without honor. Go, you can go ahead and hit that. And this is the song that kind of came out of kill bill. and was in everything. It was every car commercial all over the place, but the two of them honestly should be a sweet. They should be considered one song. If they, you the want movie, a Honda that's exactly. faster than anything, because when you listen to them both together, you think, man, that's sweet. Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, they, in the movie, they come together so closely. They should be considered one piece of music. Forever. Yeah. And this is another piece of music where you've never heard of it in your life. And then you heard it and you go, oh my God, where, why, what? How do I not know that? This sounds like a guy sat down and went, hey, what if 12 badasses in masks walked into a restaurant? How would it sound? Part one released in October. Part two released in April. So they didn't keep you hanging for a year. Just right. About six months. Yeah. Do you have, uh, are we still on Kill Bill 1? You got another song from that? Yeah, I got another song cool. from Kill Bill 1. I didn't know if we were jumping and making the leap. No, not yet, man. We're, we're all over the fucking Kill Bill, man. And I'm, I'm happy to discuss them both as one entity because honestly, Kill Bill 2's soundtrack is a little is a little uh, different. It's a you, little spotty. Yeah, we you, can talk about that. You picked uh, the same. You picked another. Do you have an audible or? No, no, no. He has. He also has battle without honor or humanity. Yes. Okay, that let's play. What it. We just played. That's what we just That's played. Literally, buddy. what we just heard. That was the song we just heard. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Um, do you want to? Okay, then my next song is from Kill Bill Volume Two. Well, I okay, we can do that because I have a couple more from Kill Bill One. We'll play another back one. And forth. Uh, all right. Well, uh, don't let me be misunderstood by Santa Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. And it's he chose the disco version of this song. It's ten and a half minutes long. And it uh, really gonna hear nine. Don't worry. <laughs> and it's uh, it's the it's the final showdown between the bride and Oren. Yeah, and uh, 
it, they're out and, and the, it's all set up. It's this brilliant photography. They're out in the moonlight. There's snow falling. You actually hear the snow falling. It's so soft. And uh, there's this fountain that keeps going shh, gung, 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 shh. and as they're having their dialogue it just it's that's the only thing you hear echoing is the fountain and then when they decide they're going to fight she takes off oh ren kicks off her little japanese shoes and she stands in the snow and then the song starts and then they have this fight this climactic battle to this song lucy lou and uh, yeah and i uh apropos of nothing uh, I had a surgery in like 2005. And I oh, very proud myself, of you. Well, thank you. And I found myself, I had to work out quite a bit after it. And uh, this was the first song that I would go and I would walk to because I, I had to walk. That was the whole deal. And so I would play this. I had a Walkman on a lanyard around my neck. And I would bring this soundtrack and I would just play this song on repeat. And I, I, would, I would be able to walk through half of it. And then I would walk through the whole thing, ten and a half minutes. And then I would finally walk through it three times. And then I would walk an hour and I would just play it over and over and over. And uh, it was a song that I found inspiration in. Then he started to carry a DVD player with him and he would watch the entire movie while he walked. <laughs> and then he'd bring one and two. Yeah. <laughs> Match him up. Myself, yeah. Yeah, that's a good tune. That's a great one. And it's, it's the, the battle at the end and it's just it's phenomenal. Because again, he's such a master of taking these... Uh, scenes that look like they should be from mm-hmm. the 30s and then putting a, 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 a modern song on it and changing yeah. the whole vibe and feel of the entire atmosphere. And um, so like we said, the first two movies are like his own thing. And then the third movie is like a 70s movie. And then the fourth movie, he wants to make a karate film, basically. basically. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then m- he gets carried away making that and says, oh, I got to split this in two because it's so, he has so yeah. many great, fun ideas. Yeah. And he really he, he really does. I... I, I I mean, you could cut stuff out, but I mean, it's it's all pretty great. Yeah. I mean, you know, it'd be difficult to, you know. I think I like one a little bit more. Simply, I think I like one a little bit more, too. Simply because I feel, and I don't feel like it's like a, a fault of either movie, but I feel like one has more of like a beginning, middle, and end, and then when you kind of split it, two kind of feels like a middle and then like an end. You know what I mean? There's sure, no, like, I see what you mean. I, I love them equally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just do because I'm kind of married to him and them. Uh, I, I would love to see him put them together yeah. and make yeah. a giant one. I mean, like I bought uh, the Blu-ray I brought, bought as a look, double feature, but they're not all in one look, disc. It, it's look, still in the two discs. If deal. people are going to sit there for nine hours and watch Lord of the Rings films or yeah. sit there for like 20 hours and watch all of the um, Avengers films, right. then... Yeah. It was just a matter sit of sit there for four hours and want. And yeah, but it's a matter of if he wants to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, do me a favor, play "The Lonely Shepherd" uh, by Zomfir. I have it in there. Um, it's it closes. You mean my new ca- my hot character, The Lonely Shepherd? You <laughs> exactly. want me to do that? I think you meant your hot character, Zomfir. <laughs> <laughs> I am Zomfir. So he helps all. Uh, go to one thirty-eight. Just me out here with the sheep. So lonely. So this. Month, I ain't got any sheep to talk to. You sound very mm. lonely. Hi, Blackie. <laughs> How are you? Who's Blackie? He's what's your my favorite, favorite What's your favorite Michael Jackson album? Mm. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, my. So what all the other sheep are I know sleeping. why you're lonely now. <laughs> it's up to me to keep the fire going, keep them warm. <laughs> oh, boy. It's just me and you here, Blackie. Good to have you. Good pal. How does Michael Schenker feel about the Lonely Shepherd? I don't know. Kyle? He left. Did he bail? <laughs> oh, th- oh, I'm sorry. That's a mop. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Play a song. So this song closes Kill Bill One, and when, and this is the this is what right when his name appears is right when this note hits, you know, right when that starts because she gives a speech over it, 
And as your speech ends and his name comes up on the screen, you almost want to just yell, no, because all you want to do is watch the second movie. After watching the first movie, it's phenomenal. And then this song plays and it sets this tone where all you want to do is see more of this movie. You don't even want to leave the theater. I saw it in Vegas at midnight. We wanted to see it again. And this, this song itself just lends itself to this longing where you're going, this is it. You're leaving us hanging. We want to see the rest. Mike, so great. were you in Vegas? I was in Vegas. Humble brag. <laughs> Or were you in Vegas? And if you ever told me I'd be extolling the virtues of a fucking Zomfir song, I'd laugh in your face. But man, it just sets the tone. She gives this speech and she's like, I am your wicked life. And I am all of this. Sophia gives the speech and Bill is caressing Sophia's face. And he says, one one question. Does she know that her daughter is still alive? And then that hits and his name comes up. And you're like, no, he's got to finish. So great. It leaves you wanting so much more. Yeah, he did cut it at the right part. Absolutely. Make you wanting more. It was very much like at the end of uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And then Han was in the carbonite. Samuel Jackson comes out and he says, like, we're putting together an initiative. (laughs) The Tarantino. Um, I have a song from Kill Bill Volume 2 by uh, Shivery. Okay. But uh, but I'd like to hear Stephen Wright introduce that. Let's hear it. K-B-I-L-L-Y, home of rock. Sounds like Britney Spears. It does a little bit. If she could sing. Stop. slow fade on that one Kyle I was waiting for a signal but none came <laughs> uh, that's the middle finger so in Kill Bill 2 again the soundtrack is a lot more scory yeah it very much is scory um, but it fits and it works and uh, and it's not original scory he borrowed as, as he does your Kill Bill 2's are not in here because they're not on the soundtrack so Ooh. I don't have any actual music to play I, if you want to go can, to YouTube you can, can find it look up on the tube that would be kind of cool if you could I'm sure I can. Okay, well, the first one here is a song called Dies Arai, and it's D-I-E-S-I-R-A-E. Two words. That's Kyle crunching in case you wanted to know. <laughs> he's in a Dorito. This poor kid. He was four hours late, and then he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm starving. Dies Arai, D-I-E-S-I-R-A-E, I just by tw- Nora Orlandi. I just tweeted, recording right now with uh, at 40-year-old boy, lots of cool tunes and Tarantino talk, with at Kyle Dotson Funny, who was two hours late, hashtag late. <laughs> <laughs> I love unnecessary hashtags. Uh, so this song plays in uh, Kill Bill. And one of the reasons I love Kill Bill 2 so much is because uh, Michael Madsen is in it. And Michael Madsen is given Michael Madsen things to do. He actually closes at the end of Kill Bill 1. He sits there and there's a scene from Kill Bill 2 that plays at the end of Kill Bill 1 where he says, and I wish I could do his voice and you could probably find it on there. And he says, uh, that woman deserves her revenge. And... We deserve to die. I think I can do his voice. Okay. That no. the woman deserves her revenge. Very close. And we deserve to die. <laughs> Blood go, go, I'll play this song and then you go out in the well, alley and smoke a hundred cigarettes and see if you can sound <laughs> like Michael Madsen. <laughs> well, go ahead and play it. 
And uh, so there's that scene that's a teaser at the end of Kill Bill 1, but in Kill Bill 2, David Carradine comes out to where Madsen lives in a trailer, and he's Bud, he's Bill's brother. And he's yeah. come to warn him that the bride is going to come looking for him. And Madsen essentially just says, well, that's fine, uh, because she deserves a revenge and we deserve to die. Uh, but we'll just see what happens. And this is the music that plays underneath their conversation. Uh, and it's not on the soundtrack, uh, but it's it's this real longing, wistful type of music where basically Madsen, Carradine and he, they don't get along as brothers. And Bill has come out to tell Bud, hey, you're going to die. And this is probably the last time I'm ever going to see you. Yeah. And Bud is just like, I'm cool with that. And we'll see what happens. And they have this, this real just electric dialogue between Carradine and Madsen in the movie itself. And, uh, and this is the music that plays underneath it. David Carradine could have been Unky Vega. <laughs> could not have been. Good Lord. Like it. Yeah. So it, it is, it's very atmospheric and it lends itself to the tone of, again, of the movie. Where, uh, and, and by the way, D.S. Araya is a, is a poem describing the Day of Judgment. So if you actually go and you read it, it's as their conversation is basically about you're about to be judged by this woman with all-knowing vengeance, uh, it essentially alludes itself to the poem, and that's one of the reasons probably why he used this piece of music. Oh, I didn't know we had to do no book learning for the uh, show, Mike. I'll shut up, dude. That's No, fine. it's no, great. Totally, you you got okay. down. You, are you going to quote any like... Nope. Uh, not anymore. Brothers Care of Mazov by Don't Tie Ask Absolutely Gay? not. No, I'm going... Let's are do you more gonna, Stephen Wright. Are you going to quote any more things from <laughs> Duck Dynasty? Do you I think? Do you think Stephen Stephen Wright literally read all of those lines once, yep. and that was probably. It. Yep. Yeah, he totally killed like, them all. They're like, "Yep." Well, but also not only to do that, but Tarantino went, "Great, cut yeah. it, print it." I mean, but, he loved but, it. but the whole time he looked at the floor. Like the, <laughs> do you not like the Stephen Wright interludes? I love them. Oh, no, cool. they're, they're fantastic. Uh, here's my last song from Kill Bill Volume Two. It's by Louise Bakalov. Bakalov. <laughs> I can't say his name. Bakalov. Bakalov. Louise Bakalov. The summertime killer. Cue it up, Kyle. No idea where this is in the movie. Me neither. It's on the soundtrack. Yeah. This might be during a fight. This sounds like a... Or like a... Watching you by Kiss. I could also see her like... Like... uh, Weaving in and out of traffic on like a motorcycle. True. (laughs) That's cool. Trying to think now where my rank of the movies go right now. Pulp Fiction is my favorite. Probably Reservoir Dogs is my second. Okay. Um, hmm. We might not have got to the one that I think is my third favorite. Although Kill Bill, if we keep him as one, it's up there. Right. Like if you keep Kill Bill as one, if, if Kill Bill number part one is your fourth favorite, then well, Kill Bill 2 is the number they're five. They're two very distinctively they different are. movies, yeah. even though they're of the same mm-hmm. gene pool. And you know? we're supposed to be this one movie. Exactly. And he, But he saw that delineation in it, and he said, yeah, I could separate this, and did. He made two hit movies out of, out of each half. He did. Yeah. Um, my second part of music is also not on the soundtrack. It's interesting because the, um, the combined total box office is like over $300 million, but I wonder if it was one movie, if it would have made $300 million. No. No, no, it so it was 
No, was, he did the right thing for certainly smart. monetary and, you know what, value, and he, I think creatively. And yeah. he released them in the right order. Yes. Because I, I think if he released two, I really oh, don't Kyle, think one would have done been, that I well. I would have been so confused. Yeah. Right? Yeah, nobody wants to go see a prequel. Absolutely. I released them in that order because people liked Pulp Fiction and it wasn't in order. I think he released them in that order because one was called one. Oh. And he even said that. He dictated that. He's like, well, this is one. I have to release this first, correct? <laughs> Usually he's non-linear. The, like wine, the wine scenes were like, I don't know, brushing money away from their papers. <laughs> Like I guess, <laughs> I guess from your office on the moon. Yeah, one, one or two, as long as it's followed by a bunch of zeros, I don't care. <laughs> Tarantino wrote this film one hundred dollar bill, so a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> I stitched them together. My second piece of music is uh, is also not on the soundtrack. You sound like a maestro now. My second piece of music. <laughs> <laughs> the second one I chose. It's it's the stick against his thing. Uh, it's actually called the demise of Barbara and the return of Joe. And it's uh, Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. uh, and it is from a Burt Reynolds film called Navajo Joe. Uh, and in this movie, he uses it uncredited. You know, he obviously it's, it's not on the soundtrack or anything. And he's but he's long admired the work of Ennio Morricone, as we're going to find out later. Yes. But uh, this piece of music is uh, used when Bill. Uh, and spoiler alert: uh, when Uma gives gives Bill his final send off. And uh, as what do you mean? What do you mean? A, a hand job? Mean? What does uh, that mean? Does that mean a hand job? <laughs> Did she drive him to the airport? She does. She uh, she goes ahead and they say they shake hands and they say a hurry goodbye and they move on. He actually settles in Portland and <laughs> opens a donut shop. Wait, is, she, oh. is he on a is, is he on an ocean a liner? Bun, right. She's on a no, he's on an ocean liner and she breaks a bottle it's against a the bon ocean voyage. liner. Yeah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he throws some ticker tape down. Well, I don't know. Are we spoiling shit? If we are, I'll just she kills him. All right, that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, you heard it. <laughs> Um, but they're sitting in a chair and they're having this discourse because the thing is they have We're this... Mark. Are you actually eating Doritos during your podcast? Is this that funny. long? The name of the movie is Kill Bill. True. But, they, not, but, but the, they didn't in the first one. I, that's why I asked for my Threw money a curveball at you. Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> I did not get what I thought. Rip off. Uh, so she... They have this really touching scene, this send-off, where again, in it, he does an amazing thing because in the first movie, Bill is everything evil. Even in the anime, Bill is drawn almost as a devil, you know, and he's killing people and he's, he's wreaking havoc. He has the bride basically murdered, he thinks, and he is just a terrible monster. And then in the second movie, um, he humanizes him in such a way where you're like, well, I, maybe they, these two crazy kids could make this work and raise this girl together, even though they're both assassins of the highest order, and he's tried to kill her several times. So when they have this, this touching exchange at the end, because she takes his life, and, and in, in a way, you know, honestly, nobody should have ever taken his life except for her, because right. he was living for her. He even says to her, she says, he says, you know, you were taught the, the five-point exploding heart technique. And uh, she says, of course he did. And he says, why didn't you tell me? And she says, because I'm a terrible person. And she starts to cry. And he says, you're not a terrible person. You're my favorite person. And she had just killed him. She's yeah. essentially just killed him. But they have such love for one another that they have this. And it's, he goes, he sits up and he fixes his hair and he closes his coat. And he goes, how do I look? And she's crying. And she says, you look ready. And it's, it's such a perfect mm-hmm. moment. And, uh, and this is the music that plays underneath it. see he was so in 
influenced by, by spaghetti westerns and and uh, Ennio Morricone's work. And he, he like he had the, the that Luis Baclav. I mean, he he's got yeah. music. So he, he Luis Baclava. <laughs> Luis Honey and Walnuts. <laughs> I hate Baclava. Can I say what? that? What? Do you really? I don't like it. I'm a fan. I always get it free, like because I, I love I love Mediterranean food. <laughs> how do you get it? How do you get it for free? Do, I mean, I love I love pizza. I don't. No one's giving me pizzas. <laughs> well, no, baklava is like a little fucking square. They'll throw it in for free because you're buying fucking food. So you buy a couple of fucking kebabs and you get some, you know, some. Rice do you pilaf. ask for it or do no, they? No, like, man, it's come. It's complimentary. You don't. Like, be, you don't beg for it. <laughs> please, please, no, dude, to, to have f- some baklava <laughs> with my kebab. <laughs> it's a fucking Armenian fortune cookie, dude. What about a balaclava? Do you like that? <laughs> I like that too. Sure. And what's I, the what's the, I wear that while I eat a baklava through like the eye holes. What's the uh, what's the de- what's the death thing again that he describes to her the that five, he taught her? the five point, point palm, exploding palm of death or five point, point palm exploding heart technique? Yeah. Would you mind showing me that on Kyle? <laughs> I can actually, it's, it, she does it, and I don't take five steps. I just sit in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and don't live move. out my days. <laughs> Um, we're moving on. We're moving on to the movie that stars Paul Rust, All right. uh, Sam Levine, <laughs> and B.J. Novak. Yes. This is... And, the, and revigorated Mike Myers' career. Yes. Uh, Mike, <laughs> yes. And it also has... Uh, has but, but he did great. He was great at yeah. it. Yeah, but he's always under some makeup. I wish Mike would just, you know... Hey, yeah, baby. <laughs> Hitler, baby. Yeah. yeah. You know who likes to party? Oh, I'm kill the fear. That's what the next... Fear. <laughs> That's what the next movie should be. He goes back in time to kill Hitler from Austin our Powers? time. Yeah, yeah Austin baby. Powers goes in the 40s. Wow. You know, like show it. a little leg, baby. So he brings, yeah, actually, he's the one who brings the 60s to the 40s. When you the 40s goose, yeah. When you're doing your goose step of saying little camel toe, baby. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> Can you picture Austin Powers uh, disguised as a Nazi? Yeah, just like, but actually, like, but like dancing, but yeah. like the uh-huh. <laughs> the Austin Power movies. Here's the deal with these with me. You show me any scene from Austin Powers, I fucking lose my mind. You show me all those scenes in order, I don't like it. Really, I don't like the movies in order. I like, I definitely like one and two. You show me the individual Three's scenes. Gold oh, members. Eh. Hold on, you like two better than Gold Member? Well, yeah, that's true. Now because like two is me- essentially I like Gold Member. Better. Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two. He did the same thing with Austin Powers. He made yeah. the same movie mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. literally same joke. Every beat is the but same. But I like Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two. Yeah. Well, uh, Wayne's World is Wayne's World, but the second one is again. It's the, he just repeated well, look, it. He just Wayne's made the World, same fucking movie. Look, Wayne's World's party time. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but Gold Member is hysterical. It was a. I thought it was a huge rally from two because I was like two so bad. But Gold Member because it's so ridiculous. knowing and it looks at itself completely. Yes. And it's like every joke is. I, this, I, which I one, one, I which one's fat the, bastard in third? He's in Gold Member. No, right? he's in. He's in both. He's in two and. Oh uh, yeah, and he's three. A, yeah. Uh, so crazy. Um, and Did again, you ever see the deleted scene where Rob Lowe is the henchman. The, the who uh, there's a henchman who dies. He, it's you have to see it. It's it's like he's a, the it's young like Robert Wagner. Minute, he's, he's the young Robert Wagner. True, but there's like a four minute scene where a henchman. He's one of the ones eaten by the sharks with the freaking yeah, yeah. laser beams on their head, and then they have to tell the. There's a party for him at a oh, fucking I have at seen a bar. That one. <laughs> no, it's I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's like, it just goes on it's, for like way too long, it's, and it's so yes. funny. Like it goes, they go to her the house and like tell the wife and kids, and she's like, "Kids, come here." 
and then she breaks it to them, and then yeah. like they're at school, you know, and there's like movies, a th- yes. guys are just dying indiscriminately. Yeah. Well, one dude dies, and then they follow his backstory. They go to his house and tell his wife. <laughs> they go to a, there's a Chili's where they're having a birthday party for him. That's great. Rob Lowe's there. It's, it's so great. It's such a great idea. Uh, I, I I firmly believe that Mike Myers had this Austin Powers character. The whole time he was on Saturday Night Live, and he said, "You know what? I'm I'm keeping this one yeah, for that's, me. Yeah, that's a great I'm not, thought. I'm not have, letting Lorne have a chunk of this. No, yeah, clearly not. No, they call it Austin Powers f- Fjord, but it's like a four. Fjord, oh, nice. Kyle. God damn it! Look at you, creating. Yeah. I know. Uh, okay, so Inglorious Bastards. Um, this Fjord is your uh, pleasure. That's what they call it. <laughs> And, and a huge departure for him again because, you know, the first movie is a small crime film. Pulp mm-hmm. is a bigger crime film. Yeah. Jackie Brown is essentially a, a caper movie. Uh, and then Kill Bill 1 and 2, he, he goes all over the world. He makes different, but he also works with a Karate. Lot of, yeah. And, and it's a nod to a genre. And then he's like, hey, I kind of, I think I like making genres and stuff. And so he decides, I'm going to make my war movie. And so he makes Inglorious Bastards. And it's, uh, it's five years between movies, although he does do. A lot of stuff. He does Grindhouse and he does a lot of producing and all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff he's doing. But it's five years between uh, between Tarantino yes. movies. Uh, and he spells, uh, he spells bastards incorrectly. Why is that? And Inglorious has a U in it and an extra U. Yeah. Um, he was influenced by an Italian production mm-hmm. and they spelled bastards this way mm-hmm. as well. For Oh, yeah, yeah. It says right here for uh, the 1978 film, The the Inglorious Bastards. Yes. And why would he take, an, why would he, I mean, he does pay homage. Some people say he steals things. Yes. But he does pay homage. But yeah. this one, he's, he's well, I guess he can he, take the he title. There's a million songs that have the same I, title. I, I don't think he steals. I think he, he loves film. I didn't say steals. He no, no, lie, I know. But he, he loves film. Heavily. He loves music and he he's influenced heavily by that stuff and he he wants to pay that's his way of paying tribute to yeah he, so rel- he relies heavily not, on his influence he's not and and he knows it and openly admits it so it's not like he's trying to like true here here's a movie no one's ever seen i'll just steal it like because no, i have he's to have like, that conversation all the time he's like here's a movie no one's ever seen i want people to go seek this out and yeah you know he uh you know because you know the, everybody says Reservoir Dogs is just the killers everybody you know they they always reference these movies and he took the plot line and he took it and I mean yes if you sit down and you read them you go oh well that's kind of the same or this sort of th- but, but the dialogue isn't the same that's what the- I mean it it doesn't matter what you think what the final product he produces is interesting Look, and Mike better. Myers is stealing from himself <laughs> right <laughs> so this one this one has a, a hefty budget of seventy million bucks. But this thing makes three hundred and twenty-one million dollars. The first one I saw in, in the theater. Yeah, it goes crazy quick. big money. Um, let's hear uh, the first song that I have off Inglorious Bastards is by Billy Preston. It's a song called Slaughter. That's cool. 
if people could have seen what we were just I doing. Know, it's crazy. We'll tell them when we play that song. <laughs> uh, this movie. Um, but again, it's this is a 1940s war movie with Hitler and Goering. Yeah. And uh, that plays. He yes. uses that because, again, he is not afraid of genre. He is not afraid of mixing it up and changing it and playing yeah. uh, a music from all eras uh, in any sort of genre picture. And I don't mind him playing music from all different eras in his movies, but I don't like when he does a period picture and they and they don't talk like they're from that period. I that bothers me. But we'll get to that later. I can't hear what you're uh, saying. This movie has uh Girlami. This movie has a huge marquee star in it. Brad Pitt. Yes. Unbelievable. And he does a fantastic job, yep. but uh completely overshadowed. Not completely, but overshadowed by uh by the discovery of, of Christoph uh, Waltz. American Jars of Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I've who, never, I never saw this guy until this movie. Again, and it's the same thing where he finds somebody and he yeah. brings them back. And and uh, I mean, what was this? Who American? What was this guy? I where did he come from? He was acting in Europe, and he again, he he speaks, I think, three certainly three different languages in the film. Mm. I speak very many languages. That he does. <laughs> and my uh, horrible Christoph Waltz. <laughs> you have to see him in the Tim Burton film Big Eyes, where he's supposed to be an American, and he just. He cannot do an American accent. Really, I am not good at the American. Yeah, accent. it's really. It's like, oh, he just sounds like he's trying to do nine different accents. <laughs> that's so weird because usually that's the one, like Christian Bale and those dudes. I like know they never nail have any idea. They nail yeah. it. Yeah, but in this but, movie, there's this, you know, the scene in the bar, and and I will tell you this: he is so good at using music to set tone, but he has a scene in this movie that is so tension laden, and there's not a note of music played throughout. He doesn't need the stings. He doesn't need to play crazy music. He doesn't need any of that because he sets the tension with the dialogue and the actors uh, and fast benders in that scene. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's an unbelievable scene and it just builds tension upon tension upon tension. Is that the opening scene? Uh, it might be. It's the credits. Closing <laughs> credits. Um, so I, uh, the first I, the music I will play here is, um, it's not on the soundtrack. So we're going to have to go back to YouTube uh, if, you, if you don't mind. Um, there's a couple I have. I actually picked. Four are you songs playing? For are this. you now playing songs that you wish were in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look up "Bath Attack" by Charles Bernstein. Okay. Okay. How do you know that this is in the movie but not on the soundtrack? Because you make note of the songs, and then you, when you get the soundtrack, you realize it's not on there. And I, I obsessively go and mm. I look them up. Do you own these soundtracks? Like, I do. do you have the CDs, I, the physical uh, CDs? No, I bought. I, I mean, I think I had Dogs, Pulp. And Jackie, I had those three soundtracks on CD and everything else I bought on uh, the uh, downloads. Right. So go ahead. This is uh, this is Bath Attack by Charles Bernstein, not on the soundtrack. Did you buy these on the downloads so no one knew you were? I did. I kept it quiet. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is from a film called The Entity. Okay. Uh, and it sets this real tense feel. Well, uh, and unfortunately, I don't know exactly where you should jump to to play the part from Bastards. Like, how long is this cut? Uh, minute 30. Okay, well, I, I say you play it, but uh, this is the music that's playing when uh, Hans Landa enters the restaurant and Shoshana recognizes him from when he murdered her family. So she has not seen him. She's there negotiating to try to get the Nazis to show the film at her theater. Okay. And she's got her back to the door and Landa comes in and Gehring, or it's Goebbels, I think it's Goebbels, and Goebbels says, oh, Colonel Landa, and she makes this face and this music starts to play as he comes in behind her and she realizes it's that probably the, right here. It's probably this part. Uh, that right there. That plays as she realizes exactly who's behind her and it's the guy who's killed her entire family in the opening of the film. And she's frozen to the chair in terror. She actually makes a face and reacts to it and then tries to compose herself so nobody can, is the wiser to what's going on. 
but it's such a, a great moment. And again, it's only 15 seconds in the movie. Yeah. But it, and so you can't put it on the soundtrack. But it's just it just sets a such a tone for the scene. Mike, I know uh, tonight uh, it looks like Kyle and I are drinking beer, but we're actually drinking uh, Flint, Michigan water. So oh, all right. In case you thought then. we were drinking uh, beers, we're not. Well, I'm glad to be on your last show. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm glad Michael Moore's doing something about it. Someone's got to do something about it. He needs another movie, so. Boy, I saw him. Yeah, that guy looks like a ball sack now. What the hell happened to that? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, he's been drinking that water. Because <laughs> <laughs> he lost weight and he's getting older. So yeah. I mean, you just do that thing where you start to fucking fall apart, man. I mean, oh, just, no. Yeah, he, I, he, just, he looked at the arc when they opened it. I mean, it's just bad news. <laughs> <laughs> this movie also has Michael Fassbender in it, which I, I didn't know that guy. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I, I still I didn't know him after the movie. Yeah, he's in that scene I just discussed, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's and he has this great turn of phrase again, and it's Tarantino's dialogue, but he yeah. chews it up. It's so great. And then he's also casts um, the, uh, the the biggest douchebag uh, in movies, uh, Eli Roth. <laughs> not Steve. but I like him in that movie though. He's good I at that part. Do not like him at all. He has great friends with Tarantino in real life. As soon as he comes on screen, I get angry because I do not like Eli. <laughs> That's because no one can stand either of them in real life. So. <laughs> hey, come on, That's what are you probably saying? true. <laughs> um, okay, my next song from. You don't want to look at the top of Tarantino's head while he's talking to you and making gestures with his hands. He's horrible in interviews. Have you ever seen him? In- I've seen him in I, yeah, yeah the Howard Stern interview. I just listened to when he was promoting Hateful Eight and stuff. He wasn't and, good. Uh, uh, he I, I thought he was. Very, he's very to me again. We're we're from different planets because I find him engaging and interesting mm-hmm. no matter what he's doing. So I mean I'm on board. Uh, how would you like, like to be stuck? Very, like you're a guy that would like to be trapped in an elevator with him and Dave Lee Roth. Well, I met him. I mean, I did a show for him. I did mm-hmm. a comedy show for him when uh, I have a friend. Her, my friend Lily puts together. Yeah. She did a Quentin Tarantino burlesque, and he hired her troupe and rented a room for them to mm-hmm. do it for private for the cast for of just Bastards. for him. <laughs> well, it, it might as well have been, but it was him and, and BJ was there. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, Elvis, uh, Mitchell and, and all mm-hmm. these insiders to him. And I did stand up for him. I got to do that. BJ and, Novak was there. Yeah. He came, it was just, it was, yeah, that's fun too. By the way, BJ, I'm like, Hey, I'm mm-hmm. kind of a peer of his. And then I'm there. He's there, you know, on their dime. It was, yeah. and, but again, I like BJ, Who so cares? just teasing, but, um, but whatever. So, I mean, I met him and he was just, mm-hmm. when I, I only got to t- talk to him for like five minutes, but he told me I was funny and he Super, what I did. Is he super tall? Uh, he's about my height. I'm six two, so he's he's you know. No, it's a about, short guy. About six two. <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's tall to me. So to me, I would. I, yeah, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I'm sure he's mm-hmm. full of himself and he's and all those things. But I would I would love to talk to him I'm for an hour. Pr- I'm also pretty sure he's autistic, right? <laughs> I don't know. He might be. Uh, so he does a uh, you know rock and peace David Bowie. Uh, he uses the theme from Cat People. Yes. In his movie, this is uh it starts chapter five. Oh, is this one? Is this also in chapters? Yeah, he runs movie? the chapters in this movie, and this this actually opens chapter five. It's right. Shoshana yeah. is getting ready for the night at the theater when the Nazis are coming, and she's putting on the film. And this song alone gives that scene an eighties vibe because she's wearing this red dress and she's leaning against the wall, and it's kind of like neon. Yeah, it has like a weird eighties like, music video. Exactly.
we can all admit, not the best way to extinguish a fire. Oh, no, with gasoline, certainly not. Not good at all, yeah. right? <laughs> Agreed. But don't teach your... If your kids are listening, let them know. Yeah, Do but not these use are, that. These are cat people. They have no idea. That's true. Mm. You know, they, yeah, they're just looking for milk. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking for milk, and they they drank it all, and that's why they didn't have anything to extinguish. Well, that's why they set fire to the house. They're mm. like, where's we need more milk, meow? <laughs> they uh. hate Mondays. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a silicon chip. It's right in your head. head. Goddamn, I love that song. It's a, it's a great song, isn't it? It is. Let's just, do, let's just do a Boomtown Rats show. I don't know. We'll over about nine seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, apologies we, to we Suzanne still, Dillingham, who loves the Boomtown Rats. We still Rats. managed oh. to make it an hour and a half before we play one song. That's true. The one song. <laughs> uh, you got another song from Inglorious Bastards? I do. I'm going to take, uh, there's a song called Un Amico by Ennio Morricone, who, as we know, is iconic, and, and uh, Tarantino loves his work. And this is the song that is uh, playing as... Uh, uh, the German soldier who the film is about winds up going to the movie projection and he kind of tries to force himself on Shoshana and then she winds up shooting him and then this is played for the death of Shoshana. So this is Un Amico. And you don't even, and it's, uh, you don't expect it to happen. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that because again, she's the heroine of the film. By the way, spoiler alert, I apologize. A lot, a lot of heroin in his films. If you, yeah, haven't, <laughs> if you haven't seen these movies, True. You, well, don't, I, you don't like movies. Well, but yeah, I, you know who hasn't seen them? My girlfriend actually has not seen any of these movies. I'm she so hates movies. <laughs> no, she was very busy for 30 years. Bo Svensson is in here, is in this movie. Indeed. My favorite character is still Private First Class Hirschberg. Is it really? Played by Sam Levine. I think he steals <laughs> he the movie. He also plays the painter. When when uh, when Hitler's talking, oh, does he really? a painter in the background, yeah. So yeah, she gets. Uh, it's just you know, this is the song again. It's not on the. Uh, this is on the soundtrack, and it's the death of Shoshana. Um, this for me clocks in at number seven. Django or Bastards? Uh, Bastards. Okay. Number seven of the eight movies. Interesting. I don't like this movie. What? I don't like it. How do you not like this movie? I think, I think that opening scene, although it builds tension, it's way too long. Mm. I know it has to be long to build the tension, but I think it's too long. Okay. I don't like when we see Hugo Blitz and they go, Hugo Blitz. I'm like, Stiglitz. But yeah, I think they should have done that for everyone. They should have done that for every character. For everyone, I think that would have been great. I mean, it does set him apart. Yeah. But I didn't like that. I do like this movie. I don't like that. uh, I don't like that he kills Hitler. Like, he just. Spoiler. He plays. I mean, I don't. What if. What if Austin Powers killed Hitler? How would you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't like. I, I think. I, I think the reason I really didn't like it is because I was. I think I was duped by the trailer because I really thought that these guys were going to be kicking uh, German ass all the time. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't think that really happens. Yeah. This this is a movie about Shoshana more than it is about the Inglorious yeah, Bastards. Yeah. And so you think that it's it feels like be, three movies. Yeah, it's it's almost as if you were going to see. You're like, hey, dude, let's go see the Dirty Dozen, and then they focus on one of the Dirty Dozen sisters. Sisters, yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's a good call. Um, and it's um, 
Um, Give her the dirty dozen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how you doing? Yeah, baby. That's ten fingers and a couple of toes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is horrifying. <laughs> Truly horrifying. After he kills Hitler, he could get Shanker back in here. <laughs> does, he, does he have a... Does he, does he fuck Ava Braun in Hold that on. movie? Hold on. Michael, one more time with you, Michael, and then we're done. All right, hang on. He's, hold he's, on, he's walking he's over. He's getting very over. slow. He's an old man. Uh, and he can't hear you because we're waving at him and pointing yeah. at him and talking. And then it's like, hey, dude, you know, he's got. His... All right. Hi, this is Michael. I hope you're all doing great. I'm also glad that the recording has been successfully we're completed. I'm very finished. happy oh. with the result. Keep on rocking. All right. Well, at least he likes what we're doing. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> That's good news. Um, and uh, what else? Is there anything else I don't. Like, Give yeah, the brawn my brain, baby, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, this is this is in. I hear you. I understand seven. what you're saying, yeah. but I, I Those are my reasons. You. All right, good. All right, let's move on. Yes. We're moving on to Django Unchained. And uh, let's hear a little Stephen Wright, and then I'll play my song. Turn the Beat Around by Vicky Sue Robinson. Heaven on the Seventh Floor. La Freak by Sheik. Fly Robin Fly by The Silver Connection. And now, number five. Like the pine trees lining the wind. I liked I loved how this was used in this movie. I've got a it might be his most on the nose use of a song yes. ever. Mm-hmm. But it was but when but it happened, had, I loved like it. You had to do it. it, it when you heard it, you went, There's nothing else you could do besides I've got this. A name. I've got a name. But yeah, absolutely one of his yeah. most on the nose. Rock and peace, Jim Croce. The, the mustache is still living. He'd have made a great Super Mario. He would have. Yeah, that just uh, that was perfectly used in this movie. I'll say this: I like that the soundtracks of Tarantino aren't just like a picture of the poster. You know, it's it's always like a different oh yeah picture or yeah. Or, or or an alternate poster. You mean and the it, cover oh, the cover of the soundtrack? Yeah, that's album. what I mean. Well, yeah, I don't know what I said, but yeah, that's what I meant. Now with this, uh, I think we could have done this entire show on Django. I picked ten songs from Django. Okay, too many. Right. I, I know it's too many, but did you pick? I got a name. This this is I did. I got a name is absolutely on here. Um, you know, again, like I said, Jackie Brown for setting up what you're going to see. With across 110th Street, that's the best use of music because mm-hmm. you're immediately brought into like a black exploitation mindset, and you you're into a you know crime movie. You know what's happening at yeah. that point. It's very 70s, very soul, and that's the vibe through the whole film. The music defines Django, all of it, mm-hmm. because it, he goes from spaghetti western score type yep. stuff to Jim Croce yeah. to hardcore rap. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and all of it, it just he plays with genre throughout. Mm-hmm. The, and this is a movie set in what. Uh, 1840 or something like that mm-hmm. yeah and out of nowhere he'll play songs and and these moments will occur and you're like it's he completely plays with genre and and uses the music to do so so i think this is absolutely for full movie yeah. this music defines this movie yeah. and it's his best use of music i think so too and you're going to laugh because uh the first thing i want to choose is because i'd like if I, if I could pick a couple extra i won't go 10 obviously but uh i there's a song on youtube if you go find it, it's called Wise Man by Frank Ocean. This isn't even on your list. <laughs> uh, this is called Wise Man by Frank Ocean, and this was done for... he uh, Tarantino asked him to do a song for Django. Wow. And he did this song, 
And uh, and then Tarantino uh, did not use it. Okay. And it kind of caused what a like prick. a well. It, it caused he tried. He could not find a place to use it. And it's so funny when I saw the movie, I kept trying to place it in there because it is so worth it and it is so perfect. Okay, let's hear. Uh, Frank Ocean, wise man. places it could go in and uh and i could fit it but i understand why he couldn't use it but he also probably didn't want to just thrust it in just to have it in but but i thought and that's great because it speaks to him and who he is Mm -hmm. because he commissioned him to do it he said please do it and then frank ocean did that and he said look i just can't find a place Mm -hmm. and then frank ocean put it up on the internet after Mm -hmm. and literally with just one sentence and it just said django was ill without it and that's all, that was his whole commentary on it, and he put that's the song nice. out for his fans. Um, and then he recorded a song about Forrest Gump that sucks. So. <laughs> did you? Did you, uh, did you? Do you have the John Legend song on your thing? I do, but go ahead. Yeah, you. Uh, I'm going to play the John Legend song then, Mike. Okay. Um, this is a song called "Who Did That to You." This is a fantastic song. And in the movie, it comes at a kind of a pivotal part. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is. It, it comes right when Django gets uh, those chains off. He's well, unchained. Well, the no, <laughs> well, the action that happens when it are you know it it happens so quickly yeah. in the theater. You're still laughing when the song plays. Yeah, uh, because it catches you by surprise what happens, and you're like, Say "Whoa!" It. And then the well, our, uh, Django kills four people yeah. in like a mm-hmm. blink. Yeah, and uh, and the best part is there's there's black dudes who are slaves, and they're in a cage, mm-hmm. in a wagon cage, and they the look on their face because they've never seen a black guy win. Yeah, never. So when it, it adds so much more to the song when he because he kills these three white dudes and then he blow that literally there's an explosion like a monster a fucking dynamite explosion mm-hmm. and uh, and without even he, there's no giving himself over to well this is a, an amazing moment it's just that's what Jane goes doing he's like this is what has to be done he kills four dudes he saddles up he grabs a horse he, un- and he gets another and he looks at these black dudes and they're just staring at him like he's a fucking superhero he's black Batman yeah, and they're like exactly. fuck because they've never seen a black guy win ever nope, in their lives nope, nope. and they just kind of nod silently and he's like and he doesn't say you're free now go because no. in a lesser movie they would do that yeah. instead he just goes give me that dynamite and they hand him the dynamite and he just fucking rides off there's yeah. no you're free or anything he just fucking goes because he's single minded on purpose they, to take care of his yeah, business they know they're free. But, but they know they're free and they've never seen a black guy ever win, especially yeah. over a white person. They have a story to tell yeah. for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. and they and their lives to that point have been in they they're in a there's three dudes in a cage. Yeah. Shit. They've never seen that. Shit. And this song plays while it's all happening. It's here. John Legend really captures the tone of like Absolutely. the 60s tune in this. For a film from the 1840s. Yeah. 
I mean, there's like five songs here that could yeah. be hits. I mean, they were just I, monsters. Now, now, do you like Tarantino's horrible Australian accent in that movie? It takes you out of the film. Yeah. I, I won't lie. I mean, I, I love him, but when he shows up, it's jarring as fuck. Yeah, it's... Uh, what if he did a regular accent? Still jarring as fuck. Him, and, him and M. Night Shyamalan need to he's, stay behind <laughs> that camera. He's fine in like Reservoir Dogs. Yes, yeah. Well, it's and become... He's, fun, he's, he's, he's fine, in Pulp, fine Fiction. in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and he's great in From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. yeah, but he you needs know. to not. He needs to. Well, uh, he because now, but also I will say this: I I like it. It's a Stan Lee type of thing. Where, but the thing is, I hate those too. But, but stop giving yourself. Pip, well, no, I'm saying he should. If he's in for five seconds and he disappears, yeah. But but to give himself this pivotal part was like, hey, you blex, and I'm like, oh no, don't. It's the only tin weird moment of the film. It really is. Um, and for him to when they're editing it to look at it and go like uh, and not be able to say, you know what, I'm not good in this. Well, you know, in Kill Bill too. You know who Pai Mei is? Uh, he's the one who trains Uma. Okay, yeah. he's, the, he's the karate mm-hmm. master, the yeah. Japanese uh, martial arts master, um, or maybe Chinese. And he uh, or might be Dirty Knees. Um, <laughs> hey, look at these. So he, he uh, Pai Mei, he had an idea for an actor who was going to play him, yeah. and then uh, that person fell out. Tarantino himself was going to play Pai Mei. Oh, no. Oh. There was a thing floating around where he was discussing, because there's so much makeup, and he was like, maybe I'll, I can do it. Because, again, the dialogue's dubbed anyway. Oh. Uh, but then, thankfully, they went with uh, the guy who teaches thankfully. the wire fighting. I forget his name. Jesus. But, yeah, but, so that was discussed. He, he just comes out like Mickey Rourke in Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. Or Mickey Rooney, not Mickey Rourke. Or much, be, much better film than Mickey Rourke shows <laughs> yeah. up in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'll do be not put Mickey Rourke in a Tarantino film. I oh can't, my God, I can't yes. look at him no, as ugly face. I, I'm in. I don't care. Talk, of someone, talk about someone who had the Ark of the Covenant opened on them. Eric Roberts. <laughs> Eric Roberts. Get maybe. him to quit chewing scenery and throw him in one of those movies yeah. and do it for real. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, this, this movie is, uh, I've seen, I saw this movie twice. I enjoyed it uh, equally both times. It's 165 minutes. Did not feel long to me at all. And that's, that's long. I saw this movie three days in a row. Holy <laughs> balls in a handbag. It's, it's astonishing. It's I, I love every minute of it. I uh the put next that song on t-shirt, gonna, by the way. Holy balls in a handbasket. <laughs> uh the next song I'm gonna choose, you know, Hold again, on, let like me tell you this though. Oh, please do. You literally have an entire page. I do. And it, it out bleeds into this page. Oh, okay. He hasn't done this much work since high school. Um <laughs> and not then even. Hundred hundred million dollar budget. This thing makes four hundred and twenty five million dollars. That's crazy money. Yeah. Also, Christoph Waltz. I like him better in this than I did in Inglorious Bastards. I Someone love this needs character. Someone teeth cleaned. I love this. <laughs> also, Leonardo DiCaprio, who I, I don't go see a movie because Leonardo DiCaprio's in it, but I do see all the movies he's in because he makes good choices. And uh, he, he's great in this. He, he should have won an Oscar. He's he really great certainly. in this. Yeah, he, he, the scene, you know, with the phrenology and then when he goes yeah. bananas and he cuts his hand for real. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he rubs his, that's, she has no idea he's going to do that. Uh, he sits Hildegard down. And but he really said, cut. He really cut his hand. Scene, during he the scene. cuts his hand for real. He's bleeding for real. Okay. And then he says, "She's my property. I can do whatever I want with my property." And he rubs his bloody hand all over her face. She has no yeah. idea it's going to happen. That's, now she has AIDS. That's gorgeous. <laughs> that's ballsy. It's, but it's perfect, and it's in the scene. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. And it's just again, you see how horrified she is. I would like to see after cut what happens. Does she slap him? Does he say, "I'm so sorry, I did that"? I don't know. I you know, again, Tarantino or are they just in. so into acting that they Are think you it's bloody amazing. blocks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, animals, blocks. Okay, so you got a uh, song for us? Well, I have, I have two, but I'm going to pick one now, and it's going to be uh, it's a song called Unchained, the Payback, Untouchable, and mm-hmm. it's James Ron mm-hmm. and Tupac in a mashup. And uh, it plays... Tupac Shakur? Uh, Tupac Shakur. We don't, we don't play him. Well, uh, Never I, have. All eyes are on him. Why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, Rap in peace. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, there you go. See, that works for you. All right, go ahead. You so, uh, so go ahead and, and, and hit that. And it's uh, oh, oh, wait, wait. What are we gonna do? We're gonna bang some chicks. 
I, I don't you know. told him to hit that. Okay, I guess we are. Um, this is in the middle of a shootout. Yeah, this is Okay, great. in the house when they're, I mean, everything is going to hell. Yeah, it's great. And the white dudes are charging and they're all shooting at Django and he's he's pinned down, mm-hmm. but he's killing everybody because he yeah. has this amazing he shot. He's like the black Joe, yeah, the little Joe Cartwright in this. Yeah, and it, it, it takes the carnage to an even higher level when this song kicks in because he's in the middle of the shoot and he's killing people. And then, is he wearing a Joe Cartwright jacket in this movie? Because I think he is. Boy, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Right, we're going to Google that, are we? Yeah. Um, so then this song kicks in and more people are running and getting shot. And there's over the top squibs and blood and just constant yeah. people getting showered. Isn't the one woman get shot and she flies out the door like a cartoon character? Yeah, yeah it's perfect. And, and it works. Uh, it, it completely works. It, it totally has to works. play over the top. Yeah. What I love about using this song. Oh, very well. It samples characters from the movie in the movie. <laughs> That's like Inception shit right there. There's a line, because in this song, he's like, I like the way you die, boy. And it's playing over and over. He said that earlier in the movie to a dude he shot in the heart. It's crazy. He's shooting people to a song, sampling his own voice from earlier in the goddamn film. That's what I mean by playing with it. He doesn't fucking care. He doesn't even think about it. Right here. That's from earlier in the movie. It's a sample that plays later in the movie while he's shooting more people. Costume designer uh, Sharon Davis said that uh, Tarantino said that he needs Django to look like Little Joe. Yes, on nice. Bonanza. I knew it. So that's why she got him a green corduroy jacket. It's one of my favorite characters on TV. That's gorgeous. I, I love TV westerns. I loved Gunsmoke. I loved Bonanza. I loved um, uh, what's the one with um, Robert Conrad. Um, Wild Wild West. Oh, okay. I loved all those shows. That, wow. That's a movie. I love the Lone they Ranger should, they shows. Remake or make a new one is the Wild Wild, Wild, Wild West. West. Yeah. That's that's a great show. That re- movie sucks. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's so bad. It's I, I, so I remember terrible. sitting in the theater, and again, it was one of those things where it's like, well, it's summer, I'll go. And no, no awful, so, so bad. I'd rather be outside sweating. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny you would mention because Will Smith turned down Django. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be Django, and he turns the movie down, and then Jamie Foxx gets it. He said he would only do it if Schultz was Kevin Klein, and they could be uh, <laughs> handcuffed together at the <laughs> neck with like neck electromagnetic things. things. Terrible. Uh, um, we're moving on. Can I do one more? Well, it's it's, it's a fast one. It's super fast. Well, he only has he only has three. But how long how eight. long is the show so far? Two oh eight. Two oh eight. And it's ten after midnight. True. That's my. Fault. But I was supposed to start at eight. So actually, it's only ten after ten. So we have two more hours. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you have to use this song because it's uh, to totally Trinity by Annabelle e Cantori Madini. Uh, it's the final scene in the movie. And, I'm just gonna play it while you talk. And from the beginning, mm-hmm. you have to play it because uh, it's Django. Basically, he's he's got the dynamite lit. He comes out dressed in unbelievable dandy clothes. Yes. And he's staring at the house as the wick's going off. Samuel L. Jackson is screaming at him. This whistle's playing. This sounds like iconic Western yeah. mm-hmm. music. And he's wearing this purple. I mean, he just looks. He just looks like a fucking pimp. He looks so goddamn. He looks good. like he's a part of Prince and the Revolution. Yeah, and he's got a cigarette holder and sunglasses on. Like sunglasses. I mean, and uh, it's so Did they gorgeous. Even have sunglasses back then. I don't. He invented them. Literally, Django invented them. Everything about this final scene is perfect. He watches this. The music plays, and again, the vocal is this. He's the guy who's the talk of the town. With a restless and it brings the story into a modern setting because he turns and he actually looks at the camera breaking yeah. the fourth wall basically and smiles with the cigarette holder yep. then he gets on the horse and he has the horse do the little pony tricks yes. it almost does like a, like a weird trip walk it's fucking yep. amazing like and a moonwalk almost yeah. and Hildegard his wife is just there and she's just she's clapping while he's just literally just performing 
And uh, it's it's just it makes this movie a fable. It just turns it into yeah. a complete fable, but it brings it into modern day. House explodes. You don't know what's gonna go on. All you know is this music is playing as it ends, and they just fucking ride off into the sunset. I love the movie. Love it. Talk of the West, Kyle. Wanna, He's the I, best. I want to ask Ace Freely if uh, if he thinks uh, Django Unchained is a good movie. Let's go away. All right, Ace. Uh, do you think Django Unchained is a good movie? Sure, baby. All right, thank you, Ace. Um, all right, we're moving on to the Hateful Eight. Yes, which came out this wait, year. Wait, wait, hold on, uh, uh, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz. What's your favorite line from Django? Fuck you. All right, thank you, wow. Lenny. Appreciate it. Mm. It's his favorite line. <laughs> I guess it is. We have drop-ins. Uh, moving on to the... And they stayed late, too, because they, they've all been here since 8, work, waiting for Kyle. <laughs> I know. He's all buying a Corolla. Sh- Shanker's waiting Sh- for the bus. Yeah, Sh- <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's hoping that he can get the flying V on the bus. A lot of buses won't take guitars. I don't know what that means. I um, give her the flying V, baby, yeah. This is, an, uh, this is an amazing song from the Hateful Eight soundtrack. This is uh, The White Stripes. This is Apple Blossom. What seems to be the problem All the ones you tell your troubles to They don't really care for you Come and tell me what you're thinking Cause just when the boat is sinking A little light is blinking And I will come and rescue you That's not for you You've been looking all around for years For someone to tell your troubles to Come and sit with you And again, a song that sounds like it could be about the character sure. itself mm-hmm. Absolutely uh, Because that comes at the scene where he, Kurt Russell elbows uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Daisy Domergue in the face Which, how many times can you hit someone in the face Within 24 hours before they're, you know, dead, dead? Yeah well, but it's I, a cartoon. True, it is. <laughs> but what I what I love about that that song, because again, if you listen to the lyrics, it could essentially be about her. Yeah. But in that scene where he elbows her in the face, and he's like, "That's we're going to work out a system, and that's you know that's mm-hmm. going to make sure that you don't talk," and uh, she just licks the blood off her face, and and you realize in your head, you're just like, you know what? We she's not only is she tough because we don't know anything about her. You just know that she's mm-hmm. like a you know being a shitty person, mm-hmm. but you know she's tough, and you know also she's probably pretty fucking crazy. So it really establishes who she is, and then that song plays, and and uh, it's 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 a great scene. The um, it's not. Um, <laughs> you don't like that scene? I, I don't like this movie at all. I heard you know. I now did you see the roadshow version? Yes. Okay, and did you see the general version also? Not yet. I saw the roadshow today. Yeah, I saw the roadshow too. It's uh, twenty minutes. It's twenty minutes shorter. I wonder what they take out. Wait, the roadshow. Uh, the opening twenty scene. minutes shorter. Did, What's that? The opening scene. Which which one? The twenty minute ride of the stagecoach past the statue. <laughs> is that what they take? Is that what they take? No, out? I'm pretty sure that's gone. I, I would imagine so because that's a that's a just an establishing shot that just gets to the seventy millimeter. They, but that's not twenty. That's not a twenty. Well, they don't have, no. Well, they yeah. also don't have the overture, which is six minutes. Okay. And they don't have the. There's not an intermission. It just fades to black and fades back up. In the general version. Yeah. How do you know that? Because I read it online somewhere. I can't believe what you read online. Um, so yeah, it lost about 20 minutes, but a lot of that chunks of the music and the overture and things like that. But yeah, that opening scene is, 
uh, it's you know it's an eight minute opening scene. I think the first ninety minutes of this could have been a half hour. I don't so the, talky. The, the first half of it remind up until the intermission mm-hmm. very much reminded me of like a play. This is sense? a play. This is a seventy millimeter play for I, I, sure. The, but, I think the entire think, film's a play. But I think yeah. I think the second half is more of a. Well, we like kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of get going a little bit. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, the first half I don't know. I wish it was more like the going back to the clue. I wish it was more of like a who done it the whole movie with a different then, ending with seven different endings. Well, no, no, and then kind of like. Uh, well, he tried to set that up. I mean, yeah. I, I really think that was what he went for. Uh, all of these people in one space, simmering tension is going to build and build and yeah. build. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I look, I love him and I mm-hmm. love everything he does and I think it's interesting. I think this is a really good two-hour movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's three hours and ten minutes long. Yeah. It's, it's, he gets it, in his way. It might be a better two-hour movie. It's I, the first time I've ever seen him try. Where does this rank for you? It's Right now, I mean, it is, it's eight, but I mean, okay. I want to see it again. All right, mm-hmm. uh, but I actually so, walked out. I, I will say, you know, so you you like it, but you can agree that this is his weakest film for me. Yes, it's the okay. first time I've ever seen him appear that he was trying. Yeah, I would. I would See, have that's what I think. That's what I don't like about it. I would have cut things out, and then I would have I would have structured it differently. Like I would have had it start with them arriving at the cabin first. Yeah. Then I would have gone like when they're like, "How do you mm-hmm. know each other?" Then it would have cut to like him picking up Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson, and then yeah. him picking up Walter. Like it would just keep cutting back and forth, so you'd still build. Well, like I said, I, you know, surprisingly, because like, that sounds like something he would do. Mm-hmm. I like that he doesn't give in to uh, normal conventions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so mm-hmm. and also, there's always simmering tension. There's always something that you don't realize is going on. I mean, it's just like I said, the scene in the mm-hmm. bar and in Bastards and Django. There's always that. You know, Django could get killed at any time. He's a black dude in the 1800s, yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's like you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And we've all seen that he's not afraid to kill people. Sure, yeah. everybody. Right. Um, there needs to be more. In this movie, again, I'm a Madsen whore. So, I mean, I, yeah. for me, there needs to be more Madsen, first of all. Yeah, yeah that was almost... Like, why, why was, was he almost, there? And he didn't really even do anything. Yeah, it almost felt to me like, you know what? Michael Madsen needs to get his uh, SAG health insurance back up. So uh, I, I completely disagree. I think he's the best thing in the movie. And really? Because, yes, because he's the only one who doesn't give in to, to being a caricature of somebody to fool everybody. Okay. Fucking, you know... Uh, Oswald Mowbray is doing Terry Thomas from a fucking old British movie. Uh, and then, you know, I, I will say this. Bob the Mexican, I, I literally, in my mind, I'm going, who the fuck is this guy and why is he doing this? Yeah. I was okay. furious at yeah. it. Well, and then I find out he's a fucking Spanish actor. Yeah, which, uh, here's what, and I, I'm going to spoil the movie a little bit, but... Uh, it, it does, spoilers all yeah. around. Yeah, so, um, but... I kind of for like a split second because I was like, this accent is so bad. And then I remember seeing Channing Tatum's name in the yes. thing. And I was like, oh, because he keeps covering his face. Yep. He keeps you thought closing it was Channing Tatum. I he did too. His, he has it's his funny. hat down. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's Channing Tatum. And then he's going to, you know, because he's somehow involved with her. And then, uh, and then it wasn't. And I was like, oh. It's such a terrible attempt yeah. at like a Mexican. You know, like, hey, cabron. Hey, I'm like, it, it was so I, I, phony to me. Yeah. And then I find out again, that guy's a Mexican yeah. actor. And I'm like, is he playing a They're riff like, on how, what he thinks American we, thinks Mexican is? I'm like, how yeah. do we make this less racist? It's like, well, they get a Spanish I, man. Yeah. It's like, well, that's. Bruce Dern I, I, doesn't um, get nearly enough to do. Walton Goggins is a little too over the top crazy. Yeah. And that's the thing is everybody's got their thing. Mm. Madsen is the only one who plays it really fucking 
straight. And, Madsen is a villain mm-hmm. from the jump. And even though he's trying to be like a cowpuncher and he's writing in his book, yeah. that, that scene where Russell comes to talk to him, there's vicious tension there. Yeah. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you see he's more than he's playing on. He's yeah. not just some idiot who's writing in a book. That line when he says, hey, I'm writing my life story, and he goes, you're writing your life story. Am I in it? You just entered. It's, <laughs> That's it's, funny. And again, he That's never breaks. Even when they take the gun away and they got the knife to yeah. his throat, he's he never betrays mm-hmm. any weakness at all. And that's yeah. what mm-hmm. I love. All right. I agree with I, you. I wish Dern, I don't think I would have ever said this sentence, but I wish Bruce Dern would have been in it the whole time because he, when you reveal, he's the one who kind of knows what's going yes, on. Yeah. And he should have been kind of the one to, to tell. Also, trying when, to clue people in, maybe when, too. When. Channing Tatum's underneath. I thought there were going to be like 10 guys down there. Yeah. And it's just, well, I was, again, like, Bruce Dern does not get nearly enough to do. And it made me wonder if he's adult, like if he couldn't do and do more. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. because he is getting older. He's getting up there. He, ne- he basically never stands. He started up, wandering know? off the set saying about getting the, winning the lottery or something <laughs> had to send Will Forte out um, to pick him up. So I, I, I again, it, it was the first time I ever saw something where I went, this is this seems stylized yeah. and and like he's trying hard to and do mm-hmm. something. I didn't like the introduction of the characters either. It was just like, it was just like, it just seems so easy. It was like, don't we know each other? Yeah, I'm Bobby Tombstone McGee. Oh, you're Jimmy, yeah. whatever. There should have been more you know, of... I, that's where I kind of would have liked almost like a Hugo Stiglitz type mm. thing where mm. it's like, like instead of them it's saying like, oh, John all Ruth, stuff, yeah. and then it like freeze frames and it's instead like, like the hangman or it's whatever. It's like the hangman. Yeah. And then it's like John and then just like John Ruth. No, like, you know, well, always took yeah. his people in and show him like yeah. taking like four people in. Agreed. Something and, that and, happened here though, was that this movie, you know, the script was released to the internet before and he shelved it. He said, I'm not making mm-hmm. this movie now. And part of did the you wonders, read it when it was released? I did. And, and you won't me, watch trailers, but you read an entire script. Well, I didn't read the whole script. I, <laughs> okay. I kind of flipped through it. But I mean, I because again, I did the same thing when uh, uh, Django came out. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you just saw bits and pieces. Okay. But I, I don't like to spoil it. I want to okay. see it mm-hmm. brought to life. But he um, he was going to shelve it, and I wonder if he wouldn't have been better doing that. I think he worked so hard on the script, and then he and then they talked him into doing mm-hmm. it. And there were great actors who wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, because uh, great I, cast, absolutely. And I think maybe he. It's he like his first it. draft got released yeah, and then and he so felt the need to live I, up to that or keep He forced that. it. Yeah. Like he's like, well, you know what? Now I got to make this now because mm-hmm. I wanted to do this, this story anyway. He should have shelved it and gone a different way, made a smaller movie maybe yeah. or something. Not that it can be much smaller than this, eight people in a cabin. And I guess, you know, this is a period piece like like um, like Django was. Yes, but and I think, Bastards. And Bastards. But I mean, you know, like Django's kind of in the West a little. You know what I mean? Not really in the yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I, I think 70 millimeter on Django would have really been amazing. Like, I just felt it, that was wasted, too, yeah, when well, I see o- it. The other thing you said earlier about the, the, like the beautiful snowfall mm-hmm. shots and yeah. like Kill Bill and everything, I didn't feel like any of this actually had... I mean, some of the mountain pieces, but yeah. a lot of it was just kind of like... Agreed. You know I mean? he, he, it wasn't well, like... when the stagecoach is going by, and then there's the scene of the, of the brook and the yeah, creek, yeah. and then the scenes in the snow and the yeah. stable. I mean, but, it's, it's very rich. But most of it's yeah. in the cabin, so it's like, well, why does that need to but be... You, yeah. But you, you can you see know? every twitch and every blink and every look at everybody's true. face. It's just, unfortunately, I don't know if he used those to their best advantage. Yeah. yeah. And and there's a scene in this movie <laughs> that... Uh, it's, now, I haven't seen it yet. All right, well, oh. I, I won't spoil that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, there's a monologue a character has, right? So I won't I won't go into it. Oh, is this the is this the Samuel Jackson's monologue? Yes. 
Man, and I hated this part so much. It starts, and in your head, because oh, again, because yeah. with Tarantino, you're like, well, this isn't going to go here because mm-hmm. he doesn't do your obvious thing. Yeah. So obviously it's going to have a twist or it's going to go somewhere different. It doesn't. And then it continues to go in that vein, and you're like, all right, well, this isn't going to happen. I know it's not because he doesn't do that, something else. And then what happens, what you think is going to happen, happens. happens. And in your head, you're just like, I don't, I mean, I... And it was just... Yeah, he, I know he fully it was expected. Gratu- it's funny to say this. That was gratuitous. Yes, he fully expects to get a huge cheer and a huge fucking roar from the audience. He expects everybody to go crazy. And I will be honest, in the, the theater that I saw it in, half the people went crazy. They was, that it was, the first, awesome. you, was that the first time you saw it? I saw it, it opening night. Yeah, I mean, within, I saw it within those Eve. people are the diehard. So yes, yes, they're definitely going to give. Yes, it up. but I made diehard, and I, yeah. even I wound up. I, I watched it, and I kind of. You're went, also not a. You're not also not a. Also, dunce. also, it's like <laughs> you know what I mean. But I'm, but I'm given. I'm yeah. predisposed to like whatever he does. I think it's all interesting. It's different when you walk into like a pawn shop and walk into the basement and see something like that. Yes, yes, right. Here's here's another thing. the The N word is thrown around so much in this movie that I I don't believe for one second if when Samuel L. Jackson gets in a cabin behind closed doors with all these white villains that he is able to survive another second. You know what I mean? Well, I think that lends itself to who he is as a character and how how uh, you know vicious he is as well. Because they're all vicious people. They're all vicious people. But yes. I mean, they they throw that word around, and it's just like this is a movie where I. It was the first time where I went. This is a lot. Of it's that. a lot of n words, especially I guess because there's only it, like, one. Like, it's only Samuel Jackson. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, he's all, the one it, getting all the invectives. Yeah, yeah. like when, when it's in Django. I mean, sometimes a black guy calls another black guy right. and uses that word. But this well, is like... they refer to black people as cattle. I mean, yeah, it's essentially yes, a slave. Yeah, it's a slave it, movie. So, right. But this is just like, wow. And here's... here's it is And it, it just is seems, here's it super, seems unnecessary. Here's super... This is super spoiler. So if you haven't seen it, thanks for sitting in for two hours and 15 minutes so far, but turn off. My, one of my biggest problems with the movie was they set up that Kurt Russell, uh, the hangman, always brings in... Uh, his um, what, what his bounties alive? Yes. So as not to take the hangman's job away, right? Yeah. And Samuel Jackson always brings his bounties in dead because it's easier. Okay. Yeah. So in the movie, as soon as Kurt Russell's character dies, I thought Samuel Jackson should have immediately taken his gun and blown uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, shot her right in the head. Right. Because now she's my bounty. And I don't bring her in alive. Yes. Boom. Yeah. yeah. I was fully expecting that to happen. And then and then I'm like, what's I don't know what's going on in this movie. Yeah. I I, I agree. Yeah. That could have happened. Tarantino ruined this movie a little bit by going like, now when we were gone. Oh my God. That it come back from the intermission and he does the the voiceover recap. I didn't mind it. Oh my God, did I hate it? Because he's I, telling us stuff and, and we didn't really leave. Here, oh. Here's the thing. Yeah. Even if it faded out and faded back in, they could have shown that scene again from the different perspective sure. and shown someone poisoning it. But that's not what he does. But there's no, re- there's no reason. There's no reason yes, there is because he is, he has a personality and he interjects himself into his movies. Yeah. He does. He just that's does. That's the reason. But, then, um, then he should have been the guy that like came to the, like was like sitting there. He should have been Sweet Dave or something. Well, I'll then. tell you what, uh, Bob the Mexican's accent was so bad I wouldn't have expected <laughs> him to wrap a scarf off and it was fucking Tarantino. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Let's, you want to play, play a song because we got to uh, play a song. Well, you know, again, it's very scory and it's very, and, and you The score is beautiful. It is unbelievable. So I've chosen. It's the best part of the movie. Right. I've chosen uh, Overture. Uh, we'll go yeah. with that, and uh, because there's two different pieces, there's overture and sange, uh, 
a neve. I, I couldn't pronounce it. I don't know if it's Italian or Spanish, whatever. But sangue, baklava. Uh, it could be <laughs> sangue a neve is essentially. Uh, a chunk of the overture as a standalone piece. So I'll choose the overture because it's got some other interesting music in it too. And I loved this, by the way, with the the, the flat of the stagecoach. And yeah, that that was like that was a really like I liked that picture a lot, and it was really. I almost I thought wish, I was going to hate it, but I loved it. I almost wish the movie theater would click the lights on and off, like, "Hey, we're we're back!" Like from intermission, or if a play yeah. is about to be seated, right. sit down, because this played. And I again, it's and this also sets foreboding and dread. It's ominous, and this music is as cold as the fucking landscape where the entire thing is yes. filmed. So it brings you into this world mm-hmm. right away. The uh, this the, is old school tension yeah. building. The overture was uh, brought in by a uh, a teenager at the movie theater who went. <laughs> it's in seventy millimeter. There's a weird black thing at the bottom. Don't ask about it. And then he goes. And there's a there are no previews. There's an overture. It's six minutes long. Don't ask us why this is happening. There will be an intermission. It's twelve minutes. Enjoy. And then just left like just hate. Probably hate got tired of people, with, come, like, people you know, coming out asking why is this that way. Yeah. It's just music and an image. And I, uh, I hate that kid. Yeah. Because he literally he just went hey uh, yeah. Uh, this was Tarantino's vision, but fuck him. I, it it <laughs> yeah. inconvenienced us, so you know, don't fucking ask me about it. I, I have no patience for anybody who shits on art, and to me, that's what he's doing mm-hmm. at that point. Also, uh, Tarantino calls uh, Walter Goggins' character. By Sher- the way, I shit on art all the time. I apologize. Go ahead, <laughs> Sheriff Chris Mannix. I wish he would have had. I wish all their names then would have been Major Marco Hanquez Banachek, you know, or <laughs> Petricelli. I would just Hangman Kojak. Yeah, I wish they would have all. Yeah. <laughs> Because Mannix, to I me, still, I still think it would have been great at the end if they paid it off. Where like she said, you know, fifteen people were coming, all that. Yeah. If they looked, or if they heard like spurs, and they heard like people getting off horses, mm-hmm. and like, and she smiles, and then the door opens, and then you just hear them like, "Oh, hey, sheriff!" And then it like pays off, like, "Oh, he is actually the sheriff. They came looking for him, or oh, whatever." Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> or like, I, "Aren't but, you the new sheriff?" And then she like frowns. Yeah, I, the second half really gets going. I mean, I you know after the intermission, the the first mm-hmm. yeah, I like talky, I like Tarantino, and I'm happy with the mm-hmm. dialogue crackles and the, the you know the justice dialogue crackles and. <laughs> but I didn't think it did. I didn't think the first half the dialogue crackled much. Parts and, of it do. That's what I'm saying. Parts of it. Yeah. Do. The, the the speech about frontier mm-hmm. justice that mm-hmm. that works seriously. And, and again, Madsen to me, anything <clears throat> Madsen did that was first that first ninety. We cut that down to about a half hour and then get right into the house. I think it's. I think we're good. I can't go a half hour. Give me an hour. I'll take 30 out of it. You know, I I'll take, you take uh, more. I don't need Walton Goggins putting a blanket on Brister in five times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's fine. I, I don't need to see close He was cold on set. Yeah. My Kumadin. My Kumadin's kicking in. Put yeah. a, put and, a I, and I hate on being me. that guy because, again, I love him and everything yeah. he does is interesting. And as far as I can make movies for the rest of your life, I want, I will pay them the first day. I'm so happy that, that I'm happy that you like it, but I'm also happy that, that you, you, uh, you don't have your rose-colored glasses on, and you. Oh both, no! And that this is number eight of eight. I I was when I walked out. I, I saw it with Jill because again, she's never seen, and this is her introduction to Tarantino. And that's disappointing when you take someone I to see agree. it. Disappointing. That's like what, hey, what was her? What she did she, it. she, she did actually, like it. She was like me. She goes, yeah, it's long, and she but she was the one who first said to me. She just goes like that. That stagecoach took a long time. Like I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of just setting the tone sort of thing. And um, but she she's you know 
Yeah, she, that was her introduction to well, Tarantino. Well, then now she's she's in for hey, a you, wonderful. Hey, I know a you've never seen James Bond. Here's the Living Daylights. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I, Let's hear. I was with her on Christmas, and I said, "We're we're seeing this. We got to see it. So we saw yeah. Christmas Eve night together. Yeah, that's a, that's and good. it was beautiful. I she, loved it. And then she talked in the car, and you elbowed her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, played Apple Blossom. Let's hear. Uh, the, the, let's hear uh, a song by Roy. Mm, wow, Roy Orbison. I love or I love the Big O. Uh, and I like Roy Overson too. Well then, <laughs> this is There Won't Be Many Coming Home. Listen, all you people, try and understand. You may be a soldier, woman, child, or man, but there won't be many coming home. No, there won't be. The song was used in a. Roy Orbison's, uh, uh, they tried to make him a, a movie star like Elvis. Uh, doesn't have the looks or the chops. Uh, but this is from the, um, the Fastest Gun Alive, this song. Really? Yeah. The big O. Take it down. I saw this today and I don't remember like half the music that was in it besides like the score. Well, stop, there were only stop a couple of a t- songs. Mm-hmm. Stop holding a tub of popcorn in your crotch. I wasn't. I was eating a pizza. You ate a pizza at the movies? I love that. But yeah, not an AMC good. pizza. This was at Landmark, so it wasn't as good. Uh, do you have any more songs from this no, movie? No, I'm out, man. Overture and Sangha e Nave, because they're essentially the same song. Well, look. Um, if you want to throw, play Sangha, you'll hear it the bit that was in the overture. It's just, it's, it's. Do you want to use that as the playout song? Sure. Okay, uh, before we go, Mike, you are, uh, you host the 40 Year Old Boy podcast. I You're do. in year eight. We are. Uh, where can we find you? We're we're not we're both uh, both of our podcasts are at art19 dot com. Yes, absolutely, it's a great website. Mm-hmm. Go there. I love it. I love the interface with it. You can listen. You can download. You can do all that stuff. Um, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you know, you can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You can find me at Twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. And you can find me at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Be my friend. Write me a note and I'll write you back. And um, That was like a radio thing. I like, know. He's been saying a long time. Signing off Eight for, years. Uh, stamps.com, you're still with them? Do they? Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, Kyle, you're at Kyle Dotson Funny. When's yep. that next live comedy show coming up? Uh, yeah, I don't know because this is only like a few days after the last time when I didn't know. So. so you still don't know? Yeah. Yeah, but for the listener, it's a week later. Yeah, yeah I know. But for me, I still don't know. <laughs> you're supposed to, it's theater of the mind. You're probably saying it's coming soon. You Go might, sometime this month. Look for it on uh, Twitter. I'll you promote might, it. You didn't think of that while you were late two hours. <laughs> you weren't putting together a show. Were you doing a um, show possibly? This uh, next uh, next Wednesday, if you are in the Southern California area, come down to the Improv from five thirty till seven. We will be recording a live podcast there. Uh, we're going to do a tribute to David Bowie and uh, Christy and April and Murray and Mike Siegel will be there. And friend of the show Heather Stewart is going to play a couple of Bowie songs live and Kyle will be there and it's happy hour and it's free. So just come down. Should we all dress up as Bowie from different eras? I will probably dress up like Bowie. What, which era Bowie would I do? Thin white Duke. Uh, no, be ashes to ashes. Mime clown Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> That's too scary. <laughs> I like it. I would probably do a uh, boys keep swinging and wear a dress. Oh, oh nice. Oh. <laughs> Um, and that's it. We are at Rock Solid Show on Twitter. 
Um, go to rocksolidpodcast.com to read Andrew Rich's notes. Uh, you, there's also a donation button there if you want to uh, do a recurring donation of uh, as little as $2. We put that guy to fucking work this week, didn't we? <laughs> oh, Andrew Rich, I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> Andrew. Good luck. He quit. Uh, he quit. He's <laughs> done. Uh, and that's it. Uh, Kyle, play us out with a song from The Hateful Eight. Mike, thanks for being here. Thanks for having This me. was great. We're going to revisit. Uh, maybe we'll do Guns N' Roses. Maybe we'll do some guns. I'm in. They're touring. <laughs> <laughs> what's the song called we're playing out with uh, it's, what, what's it called Sange Anave Baklava